Seinfeld, the Soup Nazi is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who never, ever say, no podcast for you, Rob Sestradino and Akiva Winokur. I thought we were getting a schmoopy reference for sure. No, I felt like you, you can't go schmoopy on the Soup Nazi episode. The I, I told you a few weeks ago, the commercial for the soup Nazi that NBC was running like the week before the episode was about Elaine getting an armoire. Yeah. <laughs> there was no soup Nazi no. mention at all. I watched the inside look. I don't think they thought this was even going to be a good episode. I think that they did not realize what they had here, what the genie in the lamp was. The recipe in the armoire was going to be for with the soup Nazi. Uh, yeah, it's clear because one Spike Ferriston writes this. This is his first episode. He's a nobody. They're giving like if you ever if you ever look at like the uh, TV show on Wikipedia, like you know you can tell a lot about the show and the writers by like who watch who writes the first episode. So like on Seinfeld, like Larry will write the first episode, and a lot of times the second and the third also. But then you get to like the Peter Melmans and the other established writers, and then in like episode seventeen of a sitcom season, they'll throw a bone to like the most junior guy who's like sometimes a writer's assistant, mm-hmm. like the John Cochran of the staff, like someone who's not very experienced. Yes. Yeah. Uh, although, to be fair, I don't believe John Cochran got any writing credits on the mail. But, uh, <laughs> well, that will have to fact check somewhere somewhere um, along the way on but, another uh, podcast. The um, so anyway, the uh, so this is Ferriston has really. There's a, we'll talk a lot about this today, but there's a bunch of people who have truly made a meal from this episode alone. No pun intended. <laughs> yes. Was that meal uh, mulligatani? It was. Uh, it was lima Turkey beans. chili. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, here we are, Akiva, and a major milestone here on our Seinfeld rewatch project, reaching the Soup Nazi here in season seven. Yeah, we, you know, the, I mean, it's so like we never would have. Uh, I, not that we didn't think we'd get there, but it never felt like you'd get this far. Yeah. It feels like a joke we would make back in the second or third season of recapping Seinfeld about like some fictitious place down the road of it. Yeah, the, the, the week that we're doing the soup Nazi, we'll do blah, blah, blah. Right. But let's not get too proud of ourselves because there's over 60 more of these bad boys. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying this is a big milestone and it felt like a can that we were kicking way down the road, a can of soup, if you will. And we are finally here. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's exciting to be here. I know a lot of the listeners were excited that we finally got up to this. But, you know, to me, it's it's just another episode. Just another episode <laughs> for Keeve. And so here we are. We're going to talk all of this through here today. And, uh, you know, all the excitement and all of the uh, the implications of this iconic episode of Seinfeld and perhaps the most well-known episode of Seinfeld. Probably this or the contest. What do you think it is? I think it's definitely this, just because the the term soup Nazi is way more ubiquitous in the like pop culture lexicon, especially like millennials might not know what the contest is, but they've probably heard the term soup Nazi before. Okay. Do you think this episode also like really brought about calling people Nazis when you don't like them? Hmm. Like this wasn't happening in the 80s. You know, I feel like at a certain point it was too soon, like 50s, 60s, 70s. I do think like that may be another <laughs> legacy of this episode. Like, because now if someone like s- slightly disagrees with your political take on Twitter, you're allowed to call them a Nazi and yeah. compare them to Hitler. But like back then, I don't think you were allowed to do that. I'm not sure. That, that's a good question to go back and uh, we need an official like Seinfeld historians that are out there that could tell us about a time and a place and whether or not people were using the term. Like I feel like that, uh, that 
you especially, but me as well, I think that maybe we are not old enough to know if people were calling each other Nazis in the workplace prior to <laughs> November 2nd, I believe, 1995? It's a good question. It's a good <laughs> question. It's a good question. Uh, well, there's right. no Twitter. I do think Twitter, like, that, you know, obviously it started before that, but that really uh, sort of amped up being able to call people horrible names. Certainly it popularized that, oh, this person is the blank Nazi or this Nazi. So, you know, they had just regular Nazis before. Right. So... That's one of the lasting impacts of this episode. So before we get into uh, everything from the Soup Nazi, uh, Keith, do you have any news updates for us? Uh, yeah, I know everyone was buzzing this week about plagiarism. Yes, yes. And all, all people could talk about, and I want to talk about uh, Melania Trump's plagiarism. Yes. If you look at Melania Trump, mm-hmm. she gets on the stage at the Republican National Convention, okay, and she clearly copied the puffy shirt if you look at her dress <laughs> it is the exact it is the exact color okay. and fabric is the puffy shirt just without the ripples in front all right so let me just take a look at this so uh Mel- melania trump uh what uh rnc speech let's see and look do a google image search and let's see about that uh did she wear the puffy shirt uh i will say uh n- I don't know if I'm buying it. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say I'm selling Melania Trump wore the puffy shirt. Look at the arms. Do you do you have a good look at the arms? The arms maybe are, are puffy. They have puffy arms. Yes. It looks a lot like the puffy shirt are it is almost the identical arms. I see it side by side of Jerry and Melania, and it's pretty good. Yes. Also, uh Seinfeld character uh Rudy Giuliani also spoke at the uh, Republican National Convention as well. Yes. Yes. We will analyze that whole speech later in the episode. <laughs> Okay, uh, and he was uh, not a low talker either uh, while he was there. Uh, but that being said, also, Keev, uh did yes. you happen to uh, hear about all of the buzz about the Mr. Robot season two premiere? Uh, I don't know how I missed it, but I, I know that, you know, people have been tweeting at me jokes that I don't understand about Mr. Robot and how it's, you know, almost cross promoting Seinfeld. And I have no idea what they're saying. You keep telling me to m- watch Mr. Robot. It's on my list of things to do, but I'm not going to get to it for a few weeks, probably. Yeah. Mr. Robot, a fantastic TV show uh, delves into the world of hackers. If uh, you're interested, it, it basically I, I feel like it's the uh, the next Breaking Bad. Uh, everybody should check out that show and certainly check out our own post-show recap podcast, our post-show recap recap show of Mr. Robot with Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro. But in the season two premiere, uh, the main character, uh, Elliot, played by Remy Malik, he makes a new friend that he is eating all of his meals with. And his friend, Leon, talks about how he just discovered Seinfeld. And in this big montage sequence that's about like uh, you know ten or fifteen minutes long, they keep cutting back to Leon talking about how he just doesn't understand Seinfeld, or he's like uh, really infatuated with Seinfeld. He does, there's this episode where they're in a garage and they can't find the car, and then there's this episode about this, and and then they cut back to him saying, you know, it's just like Costanza always says, and uh, lots of Seinfeld talk so far through uh, the first two hours of Mr. Robot season two. So the joke is he's just like coming into and finding these like iconic moments and he's never heard of them. Yes, that uh, he is a, you know, probably like a uh, 20 something or so, uh, you know, inner city young man. And he is friends with Elliot and they are 
eating all their meals together. And he's talking about how he just discovered Seinfeld. The actor who plays him is named Joey Badass. And that is S's with dollar signs. So I'm thinking of going with that for Incestor Nino, maybe changing that S to a dollar sign. I think that, Wait, that so is the, pretty cool. The, the, his real name, like his SAG after name, is Joey Badass? Did I stutter? Well, I mean, maybe it was it was like Joe, Joey. You're making Good it like Joey like, Badass is like some unusual name, Keeve. I feel like it's not Hammer Time like that anymore. Lowers, like I was excited to watch the show. I think that almost lowers the level of like because you know you say it's like Breaking Bad. Is Breaking Bad ever hiring an actor named Joey Badass? <laughs> Joey Badass is a uh, he's a uh, a musician that he is. Uh, this is his first again. I mean, The Sopranos has uh silvio steven van zant who's a guitarist in the east street band you don't say like uh, am i really gonna watch a show that has a guitarist from the east street band who's not even an actor yeah it's a fair point i think people were very skeptical of that uh and it ruined the show for most people that's why <laughs> nobody remembers the sopranos i can't believe you're hating on joey badass so much all right uh <laughs> All right, let's not get too distracted with uh, Joey Badass and everything like that uh, on the uh, Mr. Robot of it all. So uh, that being said, anything else, Keeve? No, a few people sent me that there is a big Seinfeld screening of uh, it's called the Summer George and and in Long Island City next week, I think on Thursday, whatever that Thursday is, the 29th, I think Mm -hmm. they're screening the Summer of George and a couple other episodes in a park. So if people want to. Uh, watch Seinfeld together. I was thinking about going until I saw it was Long Island City. It looked like it was one of these like Central Park or Manhattan things. I'm going to be in New York then. Yes. So I was going to go, but I, I don't know if I'm going to Long Island City. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't really do Queens most of the time. Uh, <laughs> just one other thing. Uh, Joey Badass on his Twitter does have a uh, a meme with a Seinfeld quote on it. Uh, maybe it all means nothing. That's uh, what he's uh, tweeting about. Joey Badass. How many followers does Joey Badass have? Uh, Six hundred twenty-eight thousand oh i thought you were gonna say 628 no, no. oh so he's like a big deal joey badass yeah he's verified okay yeah is that is that i'm surprised you still like him <laughs> have you submitted your application for verification yet i have i have i have uh, a Keeve, and uh <laughs> really that uh twitter opened up their verification process anybody can submit to be verified i have done so but now we wait and uh if it doesn't happen now boy uh don't know how that rejection letter is going to feel. <laughs> <laughs> it may already be in one of my other Gmail tabs. I'm nervous to open them. <laughs> oh, boy. And yeah. Every time I made a verification joke, you always said you didn't care. Now it's sounding like you care a little bit. Yeah. Well, I sort of was resigned to the fact that it was just never going to happen. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I could apply and they could just like out and out deny me. Like it's like some sort of like reach college that I'm sort of applying to be into. And they can give me like a hard no as opposed right. to well, what's the, is the envelope thick or, you know, that's right. usually how you tell. It used to be like they just didn't know I existed. Nobody was rejecting me. It was just I wasn't on their radar. And it was like, certainly if they knew about me, they would say yes, but we don't have the right contact. Here it is. I can apply. I can give them all my information. They could really give everything a uh, a good hard look and then say, no soup for you. <laughs> no check mark for you. Did you have to give them a reason why you should be verified? Uh, yeah, you should say why, you know. <laughs> so what was your reason? <laughs> a lot of people uh, impersonating me on Twitter. A lot of. A lot of confusion for people. You didn't uh, brag about how many followers you have? They can see. I don't need to tell Twitter how many followers I have. 
Ah, so okay, impersonators is a good one. Yeah, I feel like I need impersonators to get uh to get verified now. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it worked for Tyson. All right. So then uh, let's jump into talking about this. Let's go back to November second, nineteen ninety five, and uh, the epic soup Nazi written by Spike Ferenstein and Keeve. I, I know yes. you had counted down your what was it your thirty one favorite soups in the past. Yes. Yeah. Love the soups. Okay. Jerry starts off his stand-up talking about how soup is food for a lazy person. Is that the appeal of soup to you? I think so. Again, uh, I don't know what to cook, so it limits my food options when my wife is mad at me. We're not home. Um, and uh, I think soup is just so easy. I don't know how to make it, but like if you make it, you know, there's a, there's you could have like three days worth of soup. Not the way I eat. I'm a disgusting pig who will finish whatever's in the you know container. But I, I do think that part of part of the appeal is that it's so easy. Yes. Yeah. And so Jerry loves soup. He says that it comes partially digested. It looks like anyway. And he really would like to have it where the soup just comes in an IV. That would be his preference. Would you like that or you like the actual ingesting of the soup orally? I, no, this doesn't. This, I don't know what this uh, stand-up is doing. I feel like they, you know, I, I don't remember this one in sign language, you know, this uh, stand-up bit. I feel like they said, you know, can you throw something together that's about soup? Because that's all <laughs> we have for this episode. Yeah. It's like, all right, give me four minutes. <laughs> and they said, you have two and a half. And that's yeah. the stand-up bit. Yeah, the idea of intravenous food is um, really, I mean, if you could maybe somehow like uh, have some sort of a convenience factor to it, but I don't really understand what Jerry's going for, for uh, that, you know, everybody would sit around because they're lazy. I'm too lazy to eat. Nobody's too lazy to eat. Uh, yeah, I, they, right. No one has ever had the, this thought in their in the history of the world. So I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's get into the action of the episode. And we start off with Jerry, George, and a new love interest here for Jerry. And uh, what is her name? Sheila. Sheila. Sheila, Jerry's new girlfriend, a.k.a. Mrs. George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> Schmoopy. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say Mrs. George Stephanopoulos because uh, is she still married to George Stephanopoulos? I mean, I you know I, I haven't checked the news today. You, you know, I feel like between Lady Gaga and Taylor Kinney, I don't have I don't have the heart to hear another celebrity breakup, so I'm not even going to check. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that being said, Sheila is Jerry's love interest, and uh, she is schmoopy. And uh, we have an episode here where Jerry is going crazy with the PDA. And really turning off George and Elaine throughout the episode. Uh, yes, it, it seems a little out of character for Jerry to be so into PDA, mm-hmm. and for him, to, it definitely, it's more like that he would be grossed out by others' PDA. But uh, yeah, that's that's their bit here. That, no, uh, I think this that, is a major thing that we need to talk about here. That it is so out of character to me that all of a sudden Jerry is head over heels, schmoopy, schmoopy, schmoopy. And he seems like he's genuine about it. I mean, when the others are turned off by it, he seems offended. And it seems as though he's not like, oh, my God, this is sickening. That Why do I have to do this for schmoopy? I hate saying schmoopy. We don't hear him say that at all in this episode. No, but sometimes with Jerry, like, love blinds him, and I do think that's what happens for most of the episode, and then he realizes, oh, like, she's a dummy. And we don't really see... It's a rare uh, off-screen breakup in this episode, and we don't really get much of Jerry's perspective, because he's not the A or the B story here. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so, but like, you know, he just says that she's dumb, kind of like that intellectually. Uh, you know, he 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 wasn't really interested in her. But we don't we don't really ever get a reason, like a, a a an example of why that's the case. But the whole Jerry plot line to me is is very confusing because he would seem as though because of all the schmoopy business that he's head over heels and he's so in love with Sheila that he's willing to become a person who is publicly showing his affection for her. Yet, when the soup Nazi calls him out, and he says, what are you doing? You're kissing in my store? And she's like, what? We can kiss wherever we want. And Jerry's like, do I know you? So he says later on, well, I felt like I could patch things up with Sheila more so than the soup Nazi, but he doesn't seem to love her more than the soup, and it doesn't even seem to be a difficult decision for him to throw her under the bus to get the soup. So. It really, I don't understand why Jerry is like this. Now, if it was the kind of thing where it was like where we had Tawny Katane in an earlier episode where it's like, oh, she's so attractive. I'm willing to engage in all of these public displays of affection, which I would never do under normal circumstances. But it's where like my penis is playing a game of chess with my brain and Mm -hmm. I have to do this because I'm so attracted to this woman. I don't get why Jerry is willing to. We've seen Jerry break up with a woman who shushed him, who is eating peas with a fork, you would think at the time that the first schmoopy comes out, Jerry is like, I would lose that. I agree, but I I think it is the chess game. I think it's the penis chess game you're talking about. But with all due respect to Mrs. Stephanopoulos, I, I just I don't see that sort of animal attraction between Jerry and this woman. They don't do a good job of explaining it. Like, I, I think they just need us to assume that because she's attractive, um, because she's pretty that, like, we should understand that Jerry will be head over heels and do whatever she wants until he wises up eventually. Do you know what I mean? But they don't, they, they sort of show it, but they don't tell us why. Yeah. I mean, going back to the wife where Jerry's with Courtney Cox and they have this sort of thing where it's like, oh, they're pretending to be husband and wife and they're bringing pancake syrup to the restaurant and they're going through this charade and we get it. Okay. This is fun. Jerry is like playing, but I don't think they do a good job here of explaining why Jerry is playing this game of public displays of affection. It's I. It's a good point. Um, I I don't know. I don't think we have a good answer to it, but it's definitely a hole in the episode. I'm just gonna say it up front and say that that is a thing that I find myself thinking during this episode. Of I don't get why Jerry is this person in this episode, and we don't need to keep repeating it. But I think it's a weird thing to happen. Um. Yeah. I no. I I agree. Uh. I don't like. I don't know how much more we could really break into it, just because yeah. they give us so little to work with. Look. You're still schmoopy to me, Keeve. Uh, why do you keep calling me Keeve? It's wheels. <laughs> wheels. Wheels. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, so here comes Elaine, and uh, she comes through, and uh, she wants to uh, get a cheeseburger after schmoopy has left, and uh, she wants a cheeseburger, but they say, no, let's go to the new soup place. There's this new soup place that opened up that has a temperamental owner, temperamental proprietor. Uh, yeah, bit of a torture genius. <laughs> Bit of a torture genius. And again, we have this thing that we've noticed throughout the history of Seinfeld that the uh, the temperamental small business owner is back. Yeah. I mean, here again, right. This is just the home run of the yes. mom and pop store, fruit store type type <laughs> yeah, small on business. The Mount owner, Rushmore yeah. of temperamental small business owners in Seinfeld. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> OK, uh, but the soup is so good. 
It will make your knees buckle. There's a lot of talk about how good the soup is. Uh, Wheels, is there a place that you've ever been to that has soup that is so good? Every soup they do is so good. I mean, I don't, first of all, like the idea of your knees buckling from food, usually it's like my stomach hurts so much, I just can't stand anymore and I fall over. I don't know. But like the, I, I don't know. That's uh, it's a very specific, like, I don't know. How, how could every soup be that good? But I, I, I guess. I feel like that there are many places where it's like, oh, they have this soup is so good. It's a, such a good soup. But every soup is good every soup is that great well that's what elaine says she sees lima bean and she puts her you know her finger in her mouth and says eh. <laughs> all right so they start to explain the rules of the soup nazi here and they start in jerry's apartment it's the thing where it's like that now we're down on the street and we really haven't missed a beat of this conversation of we're explaining the whole rules of the soup nazi and george sherry and elaine stumble upon a chest of drawers an armoire if you will um yeah and listen this story ultimately the thing in this episode is like we're going to be carried and i don't know that i don't know if they knew this when they wrote it but we're going to be carried ultimately by the soup nazi storyline so you know no, very few people people may remember finding the recipes in the armoire bit but very few people remember like oh yeah that's you know the we spend just as much time with the armoire as we do in the soup nazi store okay so elaine finds the armoire she's always wanted an antique armoire like this and so she is going to buy it from the guy on the street. She has a nice face. The guy is going to give it to her for $200. It seems like an okay deal. Yeah, seems fine. Seems fine. All right, so we go to the Soup Nazis uh, establishment. Did we ever find out the name of what the Soup Nazis restaurant is called? Oh, good question. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you see, it's never said, right? Maybe you see it. Uh, I feel like that would be like a big Seinfeld trivia question if you do see it. I don't think so. Yeah. Did you ever go to the real life soup Nazis establishment? No, it wouldn't be kosher. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think people in the in the mailbag did write in and, and gave us their reviews of the real soup Nazi place, but I've never been. Okay, so I think that the real one is called the original soup man. Yes. Now I'm not sure did they rebrand it that after the soup Nazi episode? Was it called that before? Because it's a fitting name. <laughs> right but you wouldn't say original unless you had competition right mm -hmm, yeah here the competition is fictional but still yes yes also uh there's a good story on the inside look about how the uh soup nazi the real soup nazi did not appreciate this episode uh, i always think you know and then he kicked them out of the store right yes i always think stories like that are 98 percent apocryphal apocryphal Yes. Okay, I believe on malarkey on that one. Uh, I, I believe that it's apocryphal. I think that yeah, probably I, I, an exaggeration. And I'm, I'm like the opposite of a... I'm like a truther for every celebrity story. I mm -hmm. think 98% of the things... That's why like the Taylor Swift stuff came out this week. And to me, it's like, oh yeah, of course. Like nothing she's ever said is real because everything you know these people do is not all celebrities, but if it looks scripted, then it is. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, you are a fan of the professional wrestling. Yeah, but the but that, you know, the, that is not making any bones about being, you know, they don't pretend they used to pretend in the <laughs> 80s, but they don't pretend anymore. Okay. So, we get to the Soup Nazis establishment and uh weird cameos here in this episode. Uh Banya is around in this episode and it seems like only because we have an episode about soup and it's like, oh, Banya liked soup. So let's get him in the mix here at the Soup Nazi. Yeah. And again, they cast these episodes 
uh, as they're writing it, but like beforehand. So they have him. He's probably under contract. And I feel like his part was originally much bigger. That's mm-hmm. that's my guess when something like this happens. And he, and he essentially gets mostly cut out of the episode, but you still see him for a second. Yeah. Why, what else do you think that Banya had to do here? It's a good, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe somehow he's connected to the armoire, but I, like there's, or, you know, maybe he, he gets kicked out of the, the store, but they, they cut another scene and they just don't have any deleted scenes in this episode. Uh, I'm, I just feel like it's weird to get him just to see him for a second because, you know, he's one of the main guest stars at this point. But mm-hmm. I guess it's possible. Like you say, it's so super related. I feel like they, they maybe they want the only soup, uh, you know, the person you think of when you think of Seinfeld and soup before the soup Nazi is Banya. OK, so Banya comes back in. He drops his catchphrase of that. This guy makes the best soup in the city, Jerry, the best. You know what they call him? The soup Nazi. Yeah. So he has to give that in piece of information. And Banya wants to cut in the line. They don't let him. He has to go back. Okay, so they get in to finally see the soup Nazi. First appearance of the soup Nazi. And uh, I have to say that not really remembering every piece of this episode, uh, because it had been a while since I saw it. I actually thought the soup Nazi is pretty good. Like, I thought he would probably be more hammy. I thought he's actually uh, really good. No, he is great. I think the chemistry, even like the the little things. Yeah. Yeah, the actor's great. Yeah, I don't know if in real life, but uh, Larry Thomas. It, yeah, the the um, even like the little um, sort of back and forth with the uh, the cashier lady who mm-hmm. like you know when they like grab it so quickly and and that's shot really well and I don't think she speaks but she's really good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's really good. And you know they're going through the scene and they have to order the very specific way. George is asking for the medium turkey chili. Jerry is asking for the medium crab bisque. And George notices he did not get any bread. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I guess this is George like, but it's yeah. I, you, you ever like you bring someone somewhere and you're you know and you're nervous because they're the type of person who might embarrass you there mm-hmm. and it's like you know maybe when, when you're little it's like you have a friend and you're worried like oh no people are gonna think he's a nerd and then it's gonna like they're gonna think i'm a nerd you know mm-hmm. so it's this this is jerry bring george to the soup place where it's like you know i don't want i don't want you to be tainted by the fact that you're an idiot but yeah you know, there's no getting around that with george and i'm saying yes to this story as if i have uh one friend or like other Wait, friends hold on. that you, i would why maybe you were the guy that people were nervous to bring oh, to- Oh, I'm always the, the guy scenes. that people are nervous to bring to things. But you yes. don't say a lot of offensive things. I don't <laughs> think that was really, you know, you don't say like, you don't go like, hey, we're going to have a party with girls. And you're like, start talking about, uh, so uh, which Superman comic did you, mm, you know, like you're not. Well, not quite that, but whatever my version of that is. Yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> there's, there's ample concern. <laughs> so anyway uh <laughs> george wants the bread uh soup nazi says uh bread is two dollars extra uh yeah and um someone wrote in and said it's illegal to charge extra for bread what like you can't no like first to charge some people one price and other people a second price mm, i don't know that doesn't happen with the armoire that uh, they say elaine i like your face <laughs> Well, uh, nobody complains when you get the discount. The issue is when you get when they say we hate your face. Here's an extra fifty dollars you have to pay. I mean, if I go to a car dealership and you know somebody pays twenty thousand dollars for a car and uh, I get screwed over, I pay thirty thousand dollars for the car. What's the difference? Uh, listen, this is above my head. I don't know. I don't know this stuff. I'm just I'm just telling you what the reader said. Yeah. All right. Uh, so George is really pushing the issue about the bread. Jerry's saying, "Let it go. Let it go." And so 
he uh, says he can't believe it. Uh, and eventually, no soup for George. Gone. Yeah, the, fir- the first iconic uh, no soup for you. Yeah. Now, did George pay before they take his soup away? I think he pays, and then they hand him back the money. Oh, he gets the money. He gets the money back. I think because back. it's yeah. paid, it's in one instant, it's no soup for you, boom. She grabs the bag, hands him back the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All in like one felt swoop. <laughs> yeah. Could Jerry get more soup? Or that would be, uh, that, that's it. I, I, this it's it would be exactly like the fruit store then like if you're yes. if you're spike ferris then you're pitching that in the writer's room i would have to say we already did that we can't do it again even though if we had never done it of course you want to do that but then you don't have the whole next bit where jerry's just eating the soup mm-hmm. and george is mad because george couldn't be as mad if jerry tried to get him the soup yeah so and soup nazi wouldn't be having that no he would make him go to the back of the line i think at the, at the best do you think that joe from the fruit store like it sits at home or if he's still with us i don't know or like he used to sit at home and say like, oh, if they only called me the fruit Nazi, I could have milked it for <laughs> 20 years. No, no. I believe that the soup Nazi and the popularity of this episode, I think that this was like the perfect storm of Seinfeld. I think it happened at exactly the right point. And I think that those fruit store episodes, even though it's only two years earlier, I, I don't think that everybody was ready for to pounce on something like this. Like, I think that just the idea, because the show had no idea this was going to be a big thing or they, like they, they were sort of ill-prepared for it. But I think it was a perfect storm in that it was a very easy premise to get your head around with a character that was almost like an SNL sketch character that you mm-hmm. got instantly with, oh, the soup Nazi. You know what that guy is like from the start. And then it's the height of the sports center era of the catchphrase. And so you had just like this perfect storm of it's the biggest show on TV it is a, a catchphrase that you could repeat in your Which office Which anchor tomorrow. used to say no soup for you? Uh, was it Craig Kilborn? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So by the I, way, Craig Kilborn went on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast uh, yes, a yes. few months ago. Yes. He is bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, was- he talks. It, I, I can't even you almost have to listen. Like it's not interesting, like but listen the first five minutes and you'll it, like it's it's as if like someone was trying to imitate someone on cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was very high on himself for somebody who really hasn't had a lot going on in uh, quite some time. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> it, like every interview with him should just be uh, how much do you regret quitting that show? Because they didn't fire you and you could have stayed there for like another 15 years and just kept which, picking up which seven show? figure which show? Well, no, the Daily Show, you know, he, he left to move up in the world. Yeah. But the Late Late Show, like they weren't firing him. He was doing fine. He just left, uh, you know, go act in old school and then mm-hmm. never again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I just think that uh, this was just the perfect thing to happen. And I wonder if it changes the show from here on out, where I wonder if from this point till the end of the series, if we're just chasing the soup Nazi formula, if we're trying to recreate that recipe that's in the armoire of the guest star who has a nickname, who has a catchphrase, and we are trying to, you know, put somebody over. Well, we do it very soon. We do it next week, basically, with like Leap and Larry and stuff like that. But I think it's a it's a good theory. But I, I just we've already had a lot of it. You know, we had Jimmy. We've had we've had people. We had the maestro. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I do think we've had plenty the of maestro them. Have it's a not, catchphrase, though. I think you didn't you have a catchphrase. catchphrase. Um, yeah. But it, but it, well, to add to what you say about this being the perfect 
time for this to happen. Like, if you think about the most iconic, like, lines from the show that, or, or like, things from the show that people remember, it is Soup Nazi or Later, even though the show is, uh, you know, just as popular in season six and the end of season five as it is now, because, like, the things that everyone knows, No Soup for You, uh, The Jerk Store Called and They're Running Out of You, um, Yada, 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 the muffin tops and, uh, Spongeworthy, Serenity uh, Now. Every, like, uh, Serenity Now, Festivus. I'd say, mm-hmm. like, those, like, the big seven that we just came up with off the top of our head, and we're probably forgetting a few. Um, but we'll call them the big seven. Like, every single one of them is Soup Nazi or later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what's the, you know, what, like, there's famous lines before this, certainly. But I'm, I'm trying to, like, and the city was angry that day, my friend's okay, but, like, that's more of a speech than nobody, nobody just, you know, I, and people say it, I guess, but. Right. But I feel like that there's a conscious effort to, like, uh, really, like, get a catchphrase out there the day after, like, uh, Seinfeld's on Thursday night. If people around the country are saying a line from Seinfeld over and over and over again on Friday, if it's on SportsCenter. Then mission accomplished. Yeah, the water cooler. You're trying to get to the water cooler. Trying to get to the water cooler in Bristol. I think that's really the main thing that you're going for from this point on. Um, yeah, yes. If you get if you get a Sports Center catchphrase, then you are pretty much golden. I, I did you ever read the uh, Dan Patrick Keith Oberman book? No, I, I watched a few episodes of Sports Night at one point. Yeah, so they like they wrote a book and it was just like that, and then. You know, then I, I uh, 2008 rolls around and I get to work and it's Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. I'm like, I read this book 20 times when I was a kid and I want to like talk to them like, oh, it's not like I don't want to say influential. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't, you know, I was I was a lunatic sports fan when I was six, like before anybody ever heard of Dan Patrick or Keith Olbermann. So my, my only influence is myself. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but like I, you know, I want to say like it was so important to me, but I, I literally never brought it up with either of them once. Yeah. A little bit of a Craig Kilborn-esque uh, name drop story. Well, I never, I, I literally never, <laughs> never shared a word with Keith Oldman and maybe said 50 to Dan Patrick. And... <laughs> All right. Uh, I do like, I like, anytime I mention like the talent from the show, I like calling them my coworker, yes. my former coworker, as if we were equals. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, let's go back to Elaine and she is trying to move this armoire into her apartment. And look, guess who's back? Our favorite new recurring guest star, Elaine Super. Uh, yeah, the, you know, it, it must be good to get like the uh, the callback when you've been in one because then you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be in every episode the rest of the way. We couldn't have got the rabbi for this spot. I mean, I feel like that the super is a character who seems like a friendly guy, but not a funny character. At least like the rabbi, we could say, Elaine, you know, the rules of the building. Yeah, but but Elaine, move. Elaine in this episode, that's a good point. But Elaine in this episode is run, running over the rabbi with his armoire like you know, she's not listening to the rabbi. Unless the rabbi goes and 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 snitches on her to the super, I'll have to go to the super myself if you break the rules, Elaine. Yes. So yeah, but uh, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, but that Elaine uh, can't give it back to the guy on the sidewalk uh, because the guy the guy has a good line. He says, "Hey, I'm a guy on a sidewalk. I don't have layaway." <laughs> yeah, that's always rough. You bring something somewhere and then you're stuck. You're stuck. Okay. Uh, so Jerry and George are back in. Jerry's apartment. Jerry is eating his soup and George is very sad. He doesn't have any and he's doubly sad that Jerry won't share with him. I, I feel like Jerry did Jerry did his uh 
he did his due diligence here. You know, he gave George a taste. Soup, you also have to get another cup. Soup is a very weird, intimate food to share out of the same bowl or cup, right? Right. It's like ice cream. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, he pulls like, I'm sure you've had this. Like my two-year-old, he'll have, and I'll say, you know, he'll say like, you could have a, you could have a taste or a sip of something, but then he gives like the tiniest amount. And like, that's all he's sharing. So Jerry's like that. <laughs> that's how your son is with you yeah he said something about like uh, my wife got something he's like oh for your birthday i'm gonna get you like a smoothie and you could have a sip and we'll share it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no all of my meals i have like a uh, like a kid like with his hands in my uh whatever i'm eating uh it's terrible but uh george is very upset about all of this and uh jerry says hey you know uh, this is what happens when a man who comes from a uh, Nazi regime. Yeah, there are a few. It's funny because they do the Nazi thing a few times, but they don't try and make it subtle. They, they you know, play it straight out. Yeah. All right. So here comes Sheila. She's back. Hi, Schmoopy. You're Schmoopy, Schmoopy, Schmoopy. Uh, George is very upset about the Schmoopy thing that he just wants no part of Jerry and Schmoopy. When I was in uh, college, my my roommate would hate like any any sort of stuff like that and i don't know how it came up maybe from this episode but my uh, then girlfriend now baby mama was like we had a plan where we would just like we would we would drive back to long island from college every weekend because uh, nobody stayed on campus for the weekends uh, in the city. What every single week we just like to bother him. We do like schmoopy stuff or just ridiculous names like schnookums or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just like try and make him vomit the whole ride. Yeah. And did it work? I mean, he didn't throw up, but he probably stopped <laughs> driving us at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> so the joke was really on you then by the end. Uh, probably. But yeah, he really hated it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Kramer comes in. Okay. And uh, first Kramer sighting, he needs a couch cushion. I do like that Kramer, you know, he walks in, takes it, leaves. Yeah. And Jerry's like, hey, where are you going to the cushion? My couch. Uh, does Kramer even have a couch? Like, is it an option for him to take his own couch? Well, I wonder if he got rid of it when he got the hot tub. Yeah, I, there's only so much room in that apartment. I, he doesn't have room for all this stuff that he's about to bring in. Yeah, and the reason why Kramer needs the couch cushion is that he is going to sleep outside and watch the armoire so it can stay outside overnight, and uh, he's going to help Elaine sleep on the street. You know, we really get a little taste here of a one of the, you know, if we wanted to rank the relationships, and maybe that's another th- a thing for a week that's not the soup Nazi, like in terms of closeness, mm-hmm. you know, from, I guess, one to six. Well, that's a, that's a good thing, maybe for next week, power rankings of the relationships. But this Elaine Kramer within the court, this Elaine Kramer, where like Kramer's like, well, I'll do anything for you. We don't see a ton of just Elaine and Kramer, and I feel like it's uh, heartwarming to see that Kramer's willing to just do whatever Elaine needs. Yeah, they were in on the caper together, I think, in the season premiere where they had to go get rid of the dog. So at least they maybe are making a conscious effort to put some more Kramer-Elaine stuff in there. Yeah, but I, I do think it's not something we saw a lot at all in the early seasons. She's a little, you know, George is a little more scared of Kramer and, and Elaine is a little more creeped out. And now he's really like, now there's so over the fact that he's weird he's just you know another member of the group yeah so kramer and elaine are on the street and uh so he is going to be all set up with his couch cushion and elaine is going to help him out by going to get him soup from the soup nazi kramer would like mulligatawny uh do you know what mulligatawny is i I I know they say it's an indian soup but i I, I don't know anything more than that uh you really have to feel like that the writer's room here had some sort of a soup book and said okay Give me all of the funniest named soups that are in this book. We need a list. Yeah, mulligatawny means pepper water. Pepper water, okay. 
that's okay. probably a very like uh uh you know rough soup yeah like very spicy i mean we talk about jambalaya in this episode uh i feel like is there a mention of gazpacho also you know jambalaya and mulgatoni are also just very fun words to say mm-hmm. jerry likes words that are like you know fun to say so I, I think that's why they make the list over like split p yeah <laughs> all right so Kramer, we find out, is a soup Nazi apologist. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he is definitely a soup Nazi defender. Yeah. Uh, but he also hates the term soup Nazi, finds it very offensive. Yes. He says that uh, he's not a Nazi. He's just a little eccentric. Most geniuses are. We'll see Kramer later on in the episode, really, like uh, the only confidant of the soup Nazi. He could be his only friend. And it's also Kramer, like, the only time we see the soup Nazi again is in the finale, mm-hmm. testifying against the four. Like, I don't know, like, I guess this ruined Kramer's relationship, but Kramer didn't do anything wrong. Like, yeah. Kramer had no idea that Elaine, we see this a lot of times in Seinfeld, like, he had no idea, he, like, he, he's mad at him because he's friends with Elaine. He had no idea that Elaine did anything wrong. Yeah, falling out. Uh, George yeah. and Elaine are at the Soup Nazi. George is trying to get back in. You would think that after No Soup for You, George would be banned, but I guess that really, No Soup for You in this moment He's still trying to get back in there. I guess he's just like at the back of the line. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So here comes Elaine. And again, rare George and Elaine sighting in this episode. And again, when George and Elaine are together, what do they like to do? Complain about Jerry. Complain about Jerry. The, what's It's like a Bechtel rule for Jerry. Like, can George and Elaine have a conversation other than about Jerry? <laughs> so they cannot. Uh, Jerry is so annoying. What's with this schmoopy? all the time in front of people uh no it's terrible and uh they don't like it they need to say something to him sometime it's a huge turn off yeah but i i mean i mean elaine i like elaine really cares i guess she's just ultimately i think elaine's just jealous probably of that's why she doesn't like it mm-hmm. not that she's grossed out by the lovey-dovey stuff well maybe she'll confide in the rabbi about that so George gets to the front of the line. Uh, this time around, he's up to a large crab bisque. Uh, he's, forget the medium now. And he gets bread. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, I, I like this moment with the soup Nazi system. You're pushing your luck, little man. He's like, okay. And he like runs out of there. He doesn't even wait for a lane. I don't know. Like, if I'm going to the soup Nazi store, I don't, I'm not getting one medium soup. There's no way. You're going to stockpile a bunch of soups. I mean, they're not as good probably when they're not hot, but I, I guess you could heat them up and it's just sitting there all day in a thing. Uh, yeah, I'm getting multiple soups probably. And also, like, there's a long line. So even if it's close to your house, we don't know how close they live to it. Uh, like, I'm not waiting on that half hour ridiculous line every time I want. And it could be longer. You know, you have like Shake Shack in the city that has like an hour line sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not I'm not waiting on a line like that. I'm just getting. Yeah, I'm going for. Now, it is possible the soup Nazi only allows one soup per person. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. Um, now, the soup Nazi doesn't have any seating. Is, is that a turn off here at soup Nazi? It's a weird store also because everyone's outside. Like, even if there's five people, there will be a line outside. Like, only the people who are literally paying are allowed in. Like, there's no drink machine in the corner. Like, there's nothing going on in the store besides them. But I, I feel like if you're not going to have be a sit-down restaurant, like, I don't... The stores that have, like, one table or two tables, what does that do for you? Mm. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, so I'm on the original Soupman website. Uh, and so they have on the website the rules of the Soupman restaurant listed. What are the rules? Okay. Um, they say, for the most efficient and fastest service, the line must be kept moving. Okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Pick the soup that you want. 
have your money ready and move to the extreme left after ordering. So it seems like that uh, that maybe this does speak to the fact that the uh, real soup Nazi maybe does not hate the reference to Seinfeld as much as you might imagine. Oh, yes. This is life imitating art. No question. Yes. So it seems like he is embracing it. It's probably made a lot of money over the years for being the real soup Nazi. Yeah, no question. Okay. All right. So back to Elaine, who is ready to order in uh, the soup Nazi uh, that she is uh, sort of like uh, really like tapping on the thing, like really tempting fate here with the soup Nazi. She tells him he looks like Al Pacino. Do you see that? Does the soup Nazi look like Al Pacino? No. Not in any way, right? You know who he looked like? I remember when this episode aired... Uh, and then, like, a year later, that movie with Fran Drescher came out, mm-hmm. like, The Beautician and the Beast or something. Beautician and the Beast. And the, I think the guy's name was Timothy Dalton. And I remember thinking I thought it was the same guy as the Sub Nazi. So I feel like he looks I feel like, like Timothy Fran Dalton. Fran Drescher comes up a lot on this podcast. Yeah, I don't know why. I never think about her when we're not podcasting. <laughs> but then that's all I think about when we podcast. All right. So you <laughs> think he looks like Timothy Dalton from yes. the movie... Uh, Beautician and the Beast. Former uh, James Bond, right? Oh, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I believe he was in two uh, mid-80s uh, Bond movies. I think he Oh, could. he's like the least known James Bond then. I had no idea. No, I, I've never seen a James Bond, but I, I didn't know that. There's, an, uh, there's one other one that's uh, lesser known than him, but uh, second least known uh, James Bond. Well, he doesn't look like him, but I, I'm not seeing any pictures of him with a beard. Mm. Yeah. So Elaine, uh, really tempting fate with uh, Soup Nazi and talking about how he looks like Al Pacino and then, um, you know, he, she is uh, taking a long time. She says, what is this? Uh, the uh, lima bean? Uh, he does have a beard in there. Uh, yeah, lima bean. I, it does seem like that's like a weird. I mean, I guess he's. it looks like he only has like four soups there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the menu lists about a dozen or 15 soups. But maybe that's like what they serve in general. Like that's instead of a regular menu. And then they just have like soup of the day, which is like four or six soups. Yeah. Now, he goes from right into uh, No Soup for You from, uh, you know, you look like Al Pacino, you know, uh, Scent of Woman. Uh, And that's what really puts him over the edge. Like, I feel like that's kind of a compliment for the soup Nazi. Yeah, but he's not interested in small talk unless it's from Kramer, apparently. So I guess so. he's just not a fan of the works of Mr. Pacino. So that's it. Come back in one year next. Now, Hate Scarface. Yeah, George did not get banned. Now, he comes back in the same day after he gets No Soup for You. Yeah, there's different levels of banning. Yeah. Is that why Banya is there? George is on probation. Uh, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, George is on probation. Uh, Elaine, yeah, Elaine immediately gets the, uh, the suspension and, and then expelled later in the episode. Okay. So we go back to Kramer on the street and... We see the first appearance of these two characters. Uh, they are called uh, Ray and Bob. Uh, I'm not sure uh, which one is which, uh, but uh, Ray and Bob are here to terrorize the Seinfeld gang here over the next couple seasons. Yeah, we see them uh, again in the sponge and then in the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Yes. So they're here. And Keeve, what's your take on these two characters? Not my favorite. No, not my favorite either. Uh, they're pure evil. <laughs> Yeah, they're just really mean. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they're at least pro-AIDS, not pro-people getting AIDS, like pro... AIDS ribbon. uh, AIDS ribbon. Uh, And then they're mean again in Puerto Rican Day Parade. But I, I, you know, they really don't have any positive characteristics. They're they're a big-time stereotype. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I think the idea of, like, Kramer being a coward is funny, but it doesn't play out as well as it should have for some reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 
just even in the first time around, uh, I just never really got the, you know, uh, what was what was so great about these two guys. Uh, yeah, no, I, I never I don't think uh, there's a big fan club out there for Ray and Bob. But, yeah, but uh, they keep bringing them back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess someone liked them on set, but I don't think the fans like them. Mm hmm. And so uh, they come over and they're really like very menacing to Kramer. And they're telling him that you need to give us the armoire. We want that. We want the armoire. I mean, they're just thieves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give it to us. And they say to Kramer, hey, you want to get hurt? Uh, and uh, we can hurt you if we want. Uh, yeah, why would you want to hurt Kramer? Such a nice guy. Yeah. Now, in the notes about nothing that I watched uh, for this episode, there is a note that says that there was a line that got cut that they say to Kramer, hey, I got a gun. I have a knife after they're threatening him in the first place. But uh, they cut that to make it uh, less menacing. Yeah, I don't think there's any humor in that. They don't need it. The, the, the whole joke is that Kramer's a wimp, kind of. It's mm -hmm. not a great joke, but it's what they're trying, at least. Yeah, that's what they're going for. Okay. Also, a, a tip for Seinfeld writers. If you write a gun into the script, they're taking it out. Yes. <laughs> We're cutting the whole episode. All right. So Elaine and George are walking and oh my God, isn't this soup uh, fantastic? You have to taste it. And uh, Elaine is almost like uh, she's not faking here. She's loving that soup. Yeah, her knees buckle. She needs like to Jerry sit said down. they would. She needs to sit down. Uh, so she gets to the armoire. She's like, hey, where's the armoire? What happened? Yeah, the street toughs took it. The street toughs took it. The street toughs took the armoire. It was very frightening. And hey, where's the soup? Uh, yeah, and Elaine explains that she kind of messed up banging on the uh, banging on the. Uh, thing over there yeah and kramer has a good response to all that he's like oh yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> it's real it's been a very bad day for kramer yeah i feel like uh maybe they should have switched this one up yeah. elaine should have sat and watched the armoire they because they wouldn't have like threatened to beat up a woman and kramer would have handled getting the soup i think elaine would have stood her ground to ray oh, and no Bob. question yeah all right so now we see jerry at the soup nazi with schmoopy and uh they're in line and we see Jerry and Shmoopy. It's almost like that Jerry, who was very concerned about the rules of the soup Nazi with George, has completely forgotten, oh, you have to have everything ready at the soup Nazi. Like with George, he's standing completely straight. He's serious. He's stoic. He's watching very carefully. He's shuffling his feet. He's not trying to do anything. Here, it's like he's totally, you know, Shmoopy has completely taken his head out of this. Yeah, I think this is another point in favor of Jerry is totally it, like like love struck by this uh, uh, Stephanopoulos lady. And she and he does, you know, he doesn't uh, he's not thinking straight yeah. right now. And so they didn't order fast enough. The soup Nazi is mad. He says, what? You're kissing in my line. Nobody kisses in my line. And uh, Sheila tries to defend it, say, hey, I can kiss wherever I want to. And say, okay, you cost yourself a soup. And so uh, no soup for her. She tries to pull Jerry away, and he says, do I know you? Yeah, probably the most underrated part of the episode. I do think it's such a funny sort of decision you have to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you could see this happening in real life between, like, you really want to go to a restaurant, your wife gets kicked out, and you're staying there, and, like, you have to decide between the proprietor and the, the soup and your angry wife. Yes, the age-old question of schmoopy or soupy. Well, there's your hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's some place that my wife has been kicked out of that I would like to still go to. Probably Dodger Stadium. Uh, yeah, I think that Dodger Stadium is probably a good one. She's much more likely to be kicked out of Dodger Stadium. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Are you guys uh, banned from any stores? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think that, you know, um, 
I feel like that an online store is much more likely to, but they would never want to lose a customer. She's like the, uh, like, you know, in the casino that they would never want to keep. Like, oh, that's like. She's a, a fish. Right, right. We got to keep her, keep her happy. Uh, I mean, uh, that, yeah, you should hear her sometimes. The only times, like, uh, when I hear these customer service people getting yelled at, like, uh, like I get yelled at. That's the only time I'm like, oh, this is good. At least but that makes you, you feel good yes, when it's not you. At least we're using this for positive trait, you know, that something good sure. is coming out of this. Nothing ever makes me happier than when my wife is mad at someone else. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, we have back in Jerry's apartment. Uh, Jerry and Elaine are talking about. Uh, do you realize what uh, what happened? You picked a soup over Schmoopy. Yeah, but I don't think anyone thinks that Schmoopy is some big loss. Also, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, she says, like Elaine is like having like a shift in this episode. She's like, you know, I used to think that George was crazy, and I think that he's more normal than you are. I mean, he's engaged to be married. I like that they go back to the Jerry versus George thing from the premiere of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then Elaine tries the soup or uh, Jerry says, have you had the soup? And she's like, okay, I guess you made uh, the right decision. All right. So here is uh, Kramer. Now he comes back in. He's really sorry about the armoire. That, uh, he really feels bad that these uh, street hooligans took it. Yeah. They're really trying to play up this Kramer-Elaine relationship like that, that Kramer is so into Elaine. Not into, into, but just like wants to be friends with. Yeah. They're such good friends. Uh, then George comes in. We have the entire core four here uh, at this point in the episode. George walks in as they're discussing, hey, have you noticed George has been acting a little weird lately, like he's better than me? Uh, and at this point, then he comes in and immediately suspects the gang was talking about him. There's always one person who thinks that whenever they leave a room, someone's talking about them. Yes. In this case, they actually were. No, it's us- they're usually justified in thinking so. Yes. <laughs> People are smarter than we give them credit for, usually. So yeah. George presses about this, and all of a sudden, uh, Jerry reveals that Sheila and he are on the outs due to the soup Nazi, and as we talked about in the episode with John Lovitz, that George has no poker face, Jerry can read him like a book, and he knows that George is secretly happy about this. Yeah, jo- yeah George is... Uh, I, it's not that George wants to win. I think he's just so horrified by the schmoopy stuff. Yeah. And so Jerry is pressing him on all of this and it's escalating and a very good moment where Elaine uh, slips out right before George blows up and says, uh, all right, I am happy because you, the two of you are making me and every one of your friends sick. Right, Elaine? Yeah, Elaine does do a great job here and they and it's shot well also of like sort of like her surreptitiously trying to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, before this big blow up. And George goes on and says that, you know, schmoopy, 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 it's disgusting. People who do that should be arrested. Lock them up. Yeah, I feel like that's such an old school take also. People used to be like uh, very against the PDA stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Jerry says, well, maybe I'll get back with her now because I know how much you don't like her. Yeah, I like that George brings up the pact from uh, the first episode of the season also. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a great recurring theme here in season seven and uh jerry says all i did was shake your hand and george says aha yeah and we know jerry didn't take the bet seriously but uh you know george is i mean george is winning the season right now mm-hmm. yeah he's doing pretty good all right so kramer is with the soup nazi and they're having a little bit of a heart to heart about all this as we see newman get soup he gets the jambalaya and so uh kramer is talking about how you know my friend is really disappointed about this armoire uh, she's very emotional. 
And so uh, Soup Nazi says, uh, Kramer, you've been a good friend. I have an armoire. You could take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, is he getting rid of this armoire? Mm, I don't know. I guess I, it's in his basement. He's not using it. Yes, I think that Kramer. Yeah, he didn't is know his, he could have gotten two hundred bucks for it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kramer is his one loyal friend. I think he just wants to do anything to keep Kramer coming back. You think the Soup Nazi's married? Mm, is there a Mrs. Soup Nazi? Well, how do you know she do? I, I, she might be a little more modern. I don't know if she would take his last name. Yes. Um, the cashier. You don't think that she's the Soup Nazi's wife? Ooh, I, I think they have like a brother sister relationship. I don't mm. think. I, don't, I, I think she's no nonsense. The yeah. cashier uh, is the real Soup Nazi. Uh, is he a? <laughs> is he married? I'm not sure. Uh, I would say I think that he is. I think the Soup Nazi is married. I know people. Also, a couple of people said, "Are you gonna have Larry Thomas on?" I think Larry Thomas has just done the circuit so much. I don't know how much new stuff we would have squeezed out of him. Mm-hmm. And also. Uh, I don't really like having the actors on the show. I don't know about you. Having, like, if a writer wants to come on, I'm happy to have any anyone who wrote the, the yeah. episode that we're discussing. I just don't... Like, we had writers a couple times. We just spend so much more time thinking about the show than them mm-hmm. that we just come off like two sociopaths who, like... <laughs> oh, I hear you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, they have nothing to add. Like, the core four, I'm happy to have. And sure. also, people want us to have Penner. Like, I'm happy to have him, but that's more of like a... Like a hangout, you know. So have I talked about on the show the time that I met uh, the Soup Nazi? You may have, but remind, if I don't remember, then actually people <laughs> probably remember better than me, but still yes. tell me. Uh, uh, Larry Thomas, uh, the, the Soup Nazi. So I did like uh, some like production gigs where there was like this charity that like needed somebody to film. They had like a gifting suite at like uh i forget like different like award show weekends and there are various different uh gifting suites that these uh different companies like set up and they're set up to give free stuff to celebrities well this is probably like the crappiest one of said gifting suites and uh, this was for a charity that hired me to do like uh to work for them for like a day and film video and so, like, uh, they would get, like, you know, the celebrities would, like, be, like, filling up their bags with free stuff. And then they would do, like, they would get, like, some swag from a charity in exchange for saying, like, hey, I'm, I'm uh, you know, so-and-so. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm Mr. Belding. And uh, that this is why you should support this charity. And I, I won't out the charity that hired me to, <laughs> to do this. Um, but I, I had done probably like, you know, three or four of these things for them. And, uh, Larry Thomas showed up to one of those and, and I'm like, Oh, it's the, okay. Here's the soup Nazi. And really, I mean, this was in like, I don't know, 2012, 2011. And, uh, you know, he was still like being, going around, going to gifting suites as the soup Nazi. So like they're expecting like Helen Hunt. They're expecting like B plus list stars and then they get uh, no, the C list. I think or? they're sort of like expecting C list people at this thing that I was at. And this is like, you know, these are the people that are showing up. Right. I mean, Larry Thomas is not a C list celebrity. <laughs> right. They're hoping for C list. Right. That's, what the, that's the. They're hoping for like former reality. They're hoping for like reality show people. No, they're hoping for better than a reality show person. They're hoping for like, you know, oh, the fifth lead on a sitcom or something like that. Okay. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like every one of the kids from Modern Family was uh, like coming through there. And that was like when Modern Family was on, on the air for like, like two or three years. 
Well, that's pretty big compared to the Sub Nazi. <laughs> right. No, like that was like, oh my God. Uh it's the kid, uh it's Manny from uh Modern Family. Oh, those kids could buy and sell any of those people now. Like they, they, <laughs> yeah. they've been but on this the This is when so they were actually like still like uh right. like kids. So they were <laughs> They're on their rookie deals. <laughs> right, right. So they were but uh yeah, there was uh Larry Thomas and so I actually got him to film something when I was there. And we used to have somebody who was a live tweeter on Rob has a podcast called uh, The Soup Nazi on Twitter. Uh, and he was a big... Co- With like, two uh, E's, right? Yes, yes. The, the Soup Nazi. And I'm not sure if, if he's still active on Twitter. That I think he may have... Maybe he might have come and gone. But he was very active at a point in time in the history of Rob has a podcast. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, was there more to that story? Yeah. Yes. And so I'm just I'm just trying to verify if the soup Nazi is still active on on Twitter, and I don't know if he is. I don't I don't, I don't believe he is. But uh, I did have him record a message for the soup Nazi on Twitter as I, I built up a straw man for Larry Thomas about how there are all of these soup Nazi impersonators impersonating him on Twitter. He needs to be verified. Uh, and, and let me see if I can play that clip of the soup Nazi. Well, I was recently asked to send a message to tweet, so to speak, a message for Twitter to all the soup Nazi imposters. I just have to say to you all, no soup for you. <laughs> and now I think if you're Larry, if you're Larry Thomas, if I'm Larry Thomas, <laughs> If I'm Larry Thomas' accountant, let's just say that's more realistic. <laughs> I think he's got, you know how like Pete Rose, you have to get like $20 for an autograph and then you want him to like sign, you know, I cheated on baseball and like it's yeah. another 20 bucks, whatever. <laughs> or I think it's more than 20, but just as an example, I don't think Larry Thomas should be saying no soup for you for free. Oh, he's saying it. <laughs> I feel like, you know what I mean? I feel like he shouldn't say it unless you pay him like 25 bucks or something. It should be like that. an autograph. Like, I'll leave you a voicemail or whatever. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say I, it in I a Vine or an Instagram video. that he, from all of the, you know, But uh, I feel like he never charges for it. I feel like he... and stuff he had gotten that day. <laughs> all in all, it was a win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that that tickled me. That probably now back. he's pitching uh, Pepsi Max or something like hey, that. Hey, that's good for him. Yes, RC Cola, I think, is next. <laughs> that's all would be a win for one guest spot in 1995. Oh, listen, we make fun. We would we would do the same thing. I mean, I know someone who was on a reality show like 15 years ago, and they're still trying to play off it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. But uh, you don't don't make me have to defend my uh, my my place in the universe. Well, no, no, I said fifteen. You were on like fourteen years yeah. ago. I wasn't talking about you. You still have another year to milk it. <laughs> All right. So back to the soup Nazi in the restaurant with no Mrs. Soup Nazi. Uh, the soup Nazi says to Kramer, "You're the only one who understands me." There could be a Mister Soup Nazi. I mean, it's only like eighteen years oh. before Donovan. Wow. That well, this would be what a, what a twist this would be. So you're saying that the soup Nazi, uh, Kramer says you suffer for your soup, but so you think that maybe the soup Nazi is tortured inside uh, by a culture that is not letting him be who he wants to be. Uh, he's a uh, amazing chef, which uh, I think that uh, sort of uh, that's certainly a possibility that this could be an occupation 
I I think you're onto something, Wheels. Yeah, it's possible. I'd also like to say the soup, uh, the real, you know, Larry Thomas at the real at real soup Nazi retweets a lot of Seinfeld parody accounts. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. So I I feel like that maybe that this is a miss makes a lot more sense. Uh, especially when you get to the Bob and Ray of this whole storyline, that maybe these guys, uh, maybe if they could have gotten the armoire from knowing the soup Nazi, feel like that this might be a, uh, a way to tie this all in a lot more. Yeah. Uh, by the way, who do you think uh, the soup Nazi is? Uh, Larry Thomas is voting for in the election. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to say, boy, uh, I-, I think that's not a great look for the right to have the soup Nazi endorsing Donald Trump. So I'll say that uh, he's probably leaning towards uh, Hillary. Well, first of all, he seems like a third party type of guy, to be fair. <laughs> I guess so. Why? Has he endorsed somebody on Twitter? There is like someone else. He retweeted someone else tweeting with him. <laughs> hashtag Donald Trump. But it's not. Cl- I don't know. You know, I don't know if, uh... you know, he was probably angling for one of the spots at the convention. It's like, hey, uh, Scott Bayo got on. Uh, well, Bayo these- Chester, who's, you know, very he's, he's only talking about the convention this week. That's always thinking about. Uh, he said that. He read that uh, Bayo only got on the bill because he happened to like run into Trump on the street a mm-hmm. few days earlier. So I don't know if Trump is a big Seinfeld fan. I think he doesn't like Jerry anymore. Mm. So I'm not sure if he's ever seen it. It doesn't seem yeah. like a big TV guy other than the news, which he watches all day, the cable news. But I do think if he knew the soup Nazi and ran into him, I mean, the soup Nazi is more famous at this point than Antonio Sabato Jr. Yeah. I think the soup Nazi probably misplayed his hand and didn't do Celebrity Apprentice when he had the chance. I think that he probably should have gone in that direction. It was an NBC show, mm. and I think he should have done that. I think we're because we're so in the um, the Seinfeld world, we're overstating his level of fame. I don't think there's any way he gets on that show. You don't think that the soup Nazi? I mean, have you seen some of the people that are on the Celebrity Apprentice? Name name one who's less famous than Larry Thomas. Uh, name a person that's less famous than Larry I, Thomas. I, you cannot do it. You know what? There are people that are on there, and it's like I've forgotten their names. Like, uh, but, like some oh, of these this, so Sometimes they'll be an athlete, but I think that's a different category. Because yeah. they like it, all these shows, like Dancing with the Stars, they like to have two or three athletes, because generally, especially a show like Dancing with the Stars, they figure, oh, we don't, we don't get those people, but if we put like a guy from the Pittsburgh Steelers, then the whole city of Pittsburgh who loves the Steelers will watch, even though they don't normally watch the show. I, that if there anybody from the NFL, like I know who who they are. Of course, uh, yeah, because uh, you're a football fan. So a non-athlete, less famous than Larry Thomas, that, and that's a, you know maybe a, a a a job for the listeners this week. But you will not be able to. I mean, literally, like what was the guy? He grew up. Uh, he grew up near me. He was on the regular Apprentice. Uh, he came in second. He's from Long Island. Jewish I, kid. I, I you don't, don't you remember. Know. You didn't I, watch I The Regular know. Apprentice? I don't, I don't know. Did you watch The Regular Apprentice or you only I like did The watch Celebrity the Apprentice? Apprentice. Uh, you know is you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that guy's more famous than freaking Larry Thomas. I and mean, Claudia wins. Jordan, I think that I think it's pretty close between her and uh, the soup Nazi. I think she was opening suitcases on Deal or No Deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the uh, oh, she's a former Miss USA. I think the Miss USA beats the uh Beats the uh, soup Nazi. Seinfeld fans would tune in. Maybe for an episode until they met him. Uh, <laughs> they had Khloe Kardashian. That's probably their biggest yeah, get they ever. Blew it. And, and he fired her for no reason. Yeah, we're way off the mark. I know, here, but, but they couldn't get Khloe Kardashian now for $5 million. Uh, I know, and, and, and he fired her for just like, hey, uh, I, I heard that you had a, a DWI. And so uh, I didn't know about that before. So you're fired. So uh, yeah, let's, we're, we're so... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, Hope Dvorak. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we may have to. Uh, who's Hope Dvorak? We may have to yada yada Jurassic. yada the rest yeah. of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hope <laughs> Jurassic. Uh, but she, again, she was like a Playboy, uh, like playmate uh, person. So. Well, I think I think the attractive woman sometimes, like the model. Is the is the same thing as the athlete that there's like a quota and they have one or two of them. So it's not that's not a spot that Larry Thomas is getting. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. Um, boy, I uh, remember when they had a uh, Blagojevich on, uh, and that was boy. Now Donald Trump would never talk to him now. That yeah, that was the last. But never talked to him. He's in his cabinet, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Boy, I, I, I'm just like uh, thinking of this alternate reality where maybe the soup Nazi could have gotten on Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, but that being said, uh, the, we don't know uh, the background, the sexual orientation of the soup Nazi. We know nothing about him. Uh, no, but I, I know Larry Thomas has the whole backstory. So if we ever had him on, I do think he would answer those questions. Like, you know, when we asked some actress like, hey, do you think uh, what happened? How come you didn't break up with Jerry at the end of the race? I don't remember her name. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she and like we were joking, but, you know, she. She said, uh, oh, I asked her on Twitter. And, like, you know, so they think, like, we're joking. Larry Thomas would earnestly answer that question with oh, a yeah. real answer. Uh, so, you, you, so you got into the saying that, like, uh, when people say, why didn't we have him on the episode? Uh, why didn't we have him on the podcast this week? This is what you're, like, he's very available. We could have had him. And the fact he's so available, it makes him almost undesirable. That's what we're saying. Exactly. Now, should I, I don't want to, it's not nice. Should I tweet at him now and see if he responds that he'll come on? And I don't even want to have him on. We don't have time. But see if he'll respond by the end of the episode to come on the podcast. <laughs> no, don't tease him. That, don't, yeah, I don't. feel like it's not nice. Because if he gets excited, there's, a, there's like a concept in Jewish law. You're not supposed to walk into a store that you don't plan on buying anything from. Because you're like mm. teasing the owner. So yes. I feel like it's a little bit like that. Yes. Don't tease him. Don't tease him. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who is often teased, don't tease uh, the soup Nazi. Uh, but he's here, a Judice. That's, that's, you know, more famous than, than Larry Thomas. Now, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> again, uh, politics aside here, uh, there is a moment that happens <laughs> in this where uh, the soup Nazi, they're talking about how you need to have perfection. How could I to- not tolerate perfection? And so uh, a man walks up and asks the soup Nazi, uh, un gazpacho, por favor? And soup Nazi asks, por favor? Yes, I'm part Spanish. And the soup Nazi tells him, adios, muchacho. <laughs> no, to- zero tolerance for uh, a, uh, a Spanish-speaking customer. Yeah, this is a English-only zone. I mean... This could, you know, people don't really talk about this when they talk about dated things. And again, this is 1995, 18 years before Ray Donovan would be on the air. And I think, I, I think it's crazy. This is the most racist thing that happens in the whole show, the whole series. What, I mean, the soup Nazi like, kicks out? Yeah, like the Puerto Rican Day Parade, people get mad about. But that's like an accident. You know, we accidentally burned the flag and we picked Puerto Rico because we figured like they wouldn't mind. Yeah. Should the soup Nazi build a wall around his establishment to uh, keep Spanish speakers out of his restaurant? Well, he definitely shouldn't, but he does essentially keep a wall to keep all human beings out. That's why only (laughs) the two orderers are allowed in the store at once. But this is insane. Like speaking Spanish. uh, Yeah, I feel like there's not even a joke other than. The soup Nazi is a racist. Now, I do think if we had, and now I'm starting to regret not having Larry Thomas on the podcast. <laughs> if we had Larry Thomas, he would vehemently deny that this is a racist remark. <laughs> well, then how do you explain it, soup Nazi? 
Can someone can we get someone to tweet at him and ask him to justify the soup Nazis racism? Has he ever commented on the soup Nazi, uh, why he kicks a person out for saying por favor? I, w- I want to like Google that. I figure like if I if I like drop dead in a half hour and someone sees that in my search history, <laughs> like I'm <laughs> like my wife sees that she's not even going to come to my funeral. I feel like it's too embarrassing. Of <laughs> it. So I, but if we could get like a volunteer like Paul Borges or maybe Christina Radice. Yes. <laughs> to uh, Redice. Yeah, she, she's caught up. She, <laughs> she Redice. Assignment. She's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good question as to why he's so intolerant, because I would think that the soup Nazi is not born of this country. Wouldn't you think that the soup Nazi is too an immigrant? Listen, sometimes it's we hate the people that were the most alike. Mm, yeah, this is maybe uh, immigrant on immigrant crime. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, also, his right, his origin is very uh, it's all over the map because I, Larry Thomas is like. I think Middle Eastern or something in real life. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. uh, so we don't know where his background is. We just, we're just we calling him a Nazi because, you know, that's his name. But it's not like he's from Germany. We don't know. Maybe he's American. He just has yeah. a mustache. Without the mustache, he looks much more, you know. Yeah. We know by the end of the episode that the soup Nazi is off to Argentina. So if he really but does he's not no, like... No, he's not Argentinian. That's a joke. You know what that joke is. No, I, I get it. But that they are going to... If he does not like Per Favor, then... Um, seems like a, a weird landing spot for him then. Right. Uh, but again, it's like it, it's like sometimes people who gay bash are are gay and they're just like their way to get out their, you know what I mean? Like to, mm-hmm. that they can't deal with themselves. So same thing, like he loves Hispanic people so much he can't even let them in the store or something okay. like that. <laughs> that sounds like what the Larry Thomas spin would be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm not endorsing Larry, the soup Nazi or <laughs> Larry Thomas's spin of the soup Nazi. Yes. I Larry love Tomashoff was his birth name. <laughs> I love the Spanish-speaking people so much. It's so great. They're so they well, think I'm so great. Wanna, they I love my soup. Them. They I love my just... soup. It's great. It's the greatest soup in the world. They love. I love them so much that that's why I <laughs> kick them out. The <laughs> guy came in, spoke Spanish, had to kick him out. Sad exclamation yeah, sad. point. <laughs> all right. So all right, we go back to Jerry and Schmoopy in the diner. And uh, that, you know, uh, he's trying to explain it off. Oh, it was just a joke. I was kidding around. And he talks about he references uh, a joke. And because she says that, oh, well, there's always some truth in a joke. And he says, well, there wasn't any truth to the joke. I told you about the man who only had, you know, five days to live and then went to go get some authentic Bavarian cream pie. And they told him that they're out. And he said, I'll just have the coffee. That's not. A joke. Anytime Jerry mentions, it's also this weird thing. Comedians don't tell jokes. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm like lecturing like the most successful comedian of all time here. Mm-hmm. But Jerry in the show often references like just telling straight jokes. Like there's no comedian in the history of the world that's gone on stage and like said, you know, like told like three, you know, a rabbi, a priest and a minister walk like, outside of the never, cat skills. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Outside of like Joy Behar. It's never... <laughs> It's never happened in the history of the world. Like you would, you would, they would never let you up if you said one of those jokes at the Comedy Cellar or or uh, the Laugh Factory. Like, but in in the Seinfeld world, Jerry just tells these jokes that no other, you know, no other comedian in the history of the world would ever would ever bother with. Mm. It's weird. It is weird. All right, so here comes George and Susan. Susan sighting. 
I think Sheila in this episode has more lines in the season so far than Susan. Okay. And so George and Susan, you want to sit with us? And uh, Susan says, yes, of course. George very turned off by the fact that Jerry and Schmoopy are sitting on the same side of the booth. Do you notice, by the way, and I, I know we've been ragging on Susan, uh, or as the kids would say, dragging Susan. I, I'm not uh, dragging Susan. Uh, the, well, I have been the whole season so far. But like, she's those, you don't even know how the actress is playing it, right? Like, she's into it, but she's not like, you know what I mean? It, she plays it so poorly that you don't even know, like, I mean, by the second season, by the by, like the second and third scene, you see outside monks with uh, Elaine and George's, with Susan and George's different, but like, she's so 50-50 and vanilla. Like, she really is a bad actress. I, I totally, I totally get what Jason Alexander is saying. See, I'd have to go back and take a look at I didn't think that she was bad. I thought that, you know, if anything... I, I felt like that you could probably get on the case of like, boy, uh, you know, isn't Susan dumb that she's uh falls for this where it's just like, OK, George just shows her affection and you know, she's such a damaged person that uh, he's just a little bit nice to her and she just like eats it up and ha- doesn't even question like, wait, hold on. Why are you doing this? Why are you like this at all? Like she's, well, she's nowhere. George Costanza, like yeah. everything after that is just, you know, commentary. she is a shell of the person that we met. I, I, I know we've said this before, but I mean, imagine season four, uh, Susan of like, oh, you're schmoopy, you're schmoopy. Yeah, she would have put an end to that. I mean, she was greenlighting shows on television then. And now, <laughs> I, I mean, she's just never gotten over she's the death of uh, starved for a affection i mean, almost at this point like you may as well just kill her yeah well they will <laughs> i'm saying like at this point like she's you know she's got nothing left to live for dead woman walking all right so george and jerry are like getting into like this pissing match over who could out schmoopy each other and i don't to what end like i know it's sort of like a funny thing to watch but why is like jerry is like okay this is gonna annoy george like it's so childish like this uh, battle that they get into here uh yeah it is strange it's it's so out of like canon for the show for them to have a makeout contest mm-hmm. but they yeah. are being competitive so i think within the context of this episode it makes some sense no, it's funny also that I, I you notice the diner manager lurking in the background here. No, what's he doing? I didn't notice. Yeah, so the guy who comes in, he's in uh, the outing. Uh, the, the you know the guy who is the person who runs the diner. Uh, that he's standing there, and there's again, this is another thing from the notes about nothing. That there is a moment that either got cut from the script or from the episode where. He's about to walk over and say, like, hey, if you two can't control your testosterone in here, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So uh, I think that would have been a funny button on this scene. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like we, we, we're fine without it. <laughs> think about <laughs> yeah. how much more legendary this episode would be if he made the testosterone joke. Yeah, I just like that it's a recurring bit that got cut from the episode. That it's felt like, you, you know, it's funny that you I feel like that for his legacy. If he had a moment in the Soup Nazi, I think we would all know who that guy is. I agree. I think he's just, you're right, he's just outside. Like, no one remembers his name, really. The worst thing to ever happen to that guy in his life. (laughs) Well, I just Googled him, and he's that way. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even remember his name. (laughs) (laughs) One of the three worst things to ever happen to that guy in his life. Yeah, hedge your bets there. Hedge your bets. (laughs) I have no idea. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad. I feel like you, he, he could have, yeah, he could have been soaring to the moon. He could have been in the gifting suite with the Soup Nazi, answering questions on Twitter. Now that, like, we get to this Larry Thomas stuff, I'm a little surprised there's no Seinfeld con. Hmm. I'm happy because then I feel like we'd be pressured into going, and I've never been to a con. We I should feel like, run it. 
I, you know, I think now, like, I, I probably don't, you know, my wife, I walked, I came home today huffing and puffing from my four stairs. And my wife said, you know, I just looked at WebMD and like the five main factors for a stroke are basically like the five ways I describe you, like high mm-hmm. cholesterol, this. And so I could not be long for this world. Who knows? But I think if I get up there and like, you know, God is deciding between heaven and hell. I don't really believe this, but let's, let's just say for argument's sake, I decide between heaven and hell. And he said, like, tell me one thing about you that like me that, you know, would like sway me that you would be in heaven. I think number one would be I've never been in a political argument on Facebook. Yes, me neither. Me neither. But number two would be I've never been to any kind of con. I've never been to like Comic Con or anything like that. Well, why do you think that God would approve that? Oh, I don't know. I just like those are the only things I have going for me. I mean, as long as you're not going to like uh, Sodomy Con or something like that. Well, I why? Feel like- wh- what? What do you? Uh, who are you? Like uh, the? <laughs> you're the Larry Thomas. You're anti-Sodomy all of a sudden. <laughs> well, it was called Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where they got the name from. I mean, yeah, but listen, time's very changed. much on the list of things that God does not. <laughs> that's not true. Like. That's that's fair. I mean, listen, who knows? It's, I mean, we're this is a post Donovan world. God's opinion could have changed on that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, and I'm not saying between any, you know, any two genders. I think that I think that pretty much that's like a blanket thing that uh, that's, I mean, that's very I think it's, uh, you know, not explicit. A, you're saying in the yeah, Bible. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten my wife's opinion on it. It's very, <laughs> very frowned upon. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, I don't know if this episode is ever hearing the light of day. Um, the, I think this. <laughs> <laughs> I think the. Do you ever think like Sodom has all these like you know you know like always had negative connotations from like way back then? You know, I never thought and, about that. And Gomorrah never, never real. They got off totally scot free. Yeah, like nothing's named after them. Gomorrah was like almost as bad. Yeah. <laughs> also, like fair. the things that the, like the so, like the main thing with Sodom is like they don't let people in their houses, right? Or Sodom, as we'd call it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they don't let people. <laughs> are, are you including let... Saddam Hussein in all this? Well, it's spelled differently. I think, but I, it's I, the, I pronounced the same. It's a homonym. Yeah, I mean, I, he didn't do much for their image. I feel like they were really repairing their image, and then he kind of came along. Yeah, I mean, there's no evil dictator Gomorrah. I, I, I people are going to start naming their kids. <laughs> Also, like with absence, like there is a there is a character in the Jewish story of Perm, which is essentially like the I can't even imagine how we got to this. Like we're so off topic in the Soup Nazi episode, but the, it's like the the villain of the story of Perm, which is like the Jewish Halloween kind of this mm-hmm. dress up and drink. It's like Halloween meets St. Patrick's Day, and her name is Vashti, mm-hmm. and she's like one of the she's probably the most like evil woman in the whole like Jewish biblical canon, like Old Testament canon. And, like, there's a girl in the Olympics this year, Randall Cunningham's daughter, is named Vashti. So I feel mm. like with time, so there's going to be Gamora soon. Like, there's oh, going to well, be... Gamora is a beloved character played by uh, Zoe Saldana in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I know you don't go to any cons or anything like that. No. Um, but, um, yeah. So oh, so Gam- we've already reached, we've already gotten to Gamora being good again. Yeah, Gamora is very good. Oh, who knew? Yeah. So, there, there you go. Uh, but anyway, so, this, so that being said, Keith, that we, we got all the way to you're at you're at the pearly gates. You're trying to. Okay. <laughs> to well, no, I think we're good. I think and, I, I'm saying that was yeah, it. So that I've was never it. Been to a con. Yeah. Oh, but then you said you said um, what's it called? You said that uh, the the we should start our own Seinfeld con. Yes. I said there is no Seinfeld con. And now maybe this is an idea. So here's my first pitch for Seinfeld con. Mm hmm. 
We do it wrapped around the finale of this podcast next okay. September. All right. I'm in. And also, like, we want to get... No one's going to come. I don't know how we get people to come. We have to, like... But how do we get people to come outside of our podcast listeners? Maybe we get... Seinfeld like, Reddit. What, that's not bad. That's okay. not bad. But what are, like, what are you most known for? Survivor. So we combine Survivor and Seinfeld. Here's my idea for the Seinfeld con. No one's ever done this at a con, as far as I know. So everyone shows up Friday... And we say, we're going to put on all 180 episodes of Seinfeld. No one's allowed to leave the room. Like, you have, like, this meager portion. I guess we'll give them, like, uh, Seinfeld-themed food, like marble rye and Mm -hmm. uh, the the cinnamon babka, the lesser babka. And whoever lasts the longest. And I guess if they finish the 180 and people are still watching, uh, we start again from Seinfeld Chronicles, from the pilot. Um, But whoever lasts the longest in this room... Uh, wins and it's like so survivor meets seinfeld what if they fall asleep on the chair yeah falling asleep you're out they should have to stand up on their feet well I mean, that's it's your strategy some people might want to fall asleep some people might want to stay up but it's 90 hours of tv but if which, you fall asleep then you're you see there's no food one survivor no there's food I, you can get a bathroom break there's bathroom rules like one bathroom break All every right, hour well, or something like, like Keeve, you're you're really you're muddying the waters with this. You had a good idea like with idea? Seinfeld Con, <laughs> and now you're turning it into like now we're like torturing people. At Seinfeld well, Con. And, no, and we're not forcing anyone to come, you know. But I feel like uh, you know it would be good publicity we're for the, people for like now. soaked in urine watching uh, DVDs in a room uh, with fifty other sweaty people. I spoke to my uh, attorney, <laughs> yes, Alexander Chester. Yes, I have to. We have to ask him. I haven't. I haven't run this by him, and, and see if this is a viable idea or if we're going to get uh, sued. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, no. When we would definitely be sued from. We'd have to call it like something. Something else that's not Seinfeld con, like a con about nothing or something like that. Oh, uh, you think you can't use the word like it's his name? You yes, think we can't no, use I the word that, Seinfeld? Uh, believe me, I, I think that Castle Rock. I think it would be it would be heavily litigated against. What about Schmoopy Con? Schmoopy Con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think this might have to be a two-part episode. <laughs> no, no. People are begging us, please get back on track. If anybody's still listening, they want, they want us to get I don't back. Know if they, I don't know if it's get back on track. I think like the track has been lost, and it's like, wrap it up. I think we're getting the old Dave <laughs> Chappelle wrap it up box. <laughs> no, this is an important episode. Yeah, uh, I, I know. feel like we're blowing it. Well, I, it depends what people, the people who come like and say, like, I like the episode. Like, people have said, you know, I like when you guys talk, but I'm not like a... Seinfeld fan, so I like the 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 you know random stuff you bring up. But this episode, they're enjoying themselves. People are going to be fine. Oh, a Seinfeld podcast. Oh, okay, let me check this out. Oh, okay. Oh, what? Oh, let me find. Oh, Soup Nazi. That's my favorite episode. Let me listen to yeah. that one. And this is going to be point. the first episode people are going to listen to. Good and point. then we, we, I feel like we blew it. I feel yeah, like we so should. what should they go back to? What should they if they're listening now? <laughs> that's a good question. That, that's Give a, them a mulligan, a mulligatawny, a mulligatawny. <laughs> <laughs> what should they go back to? <laughs> yeah, we need our listeners to tell us what is the episode. I think to people recommend. like the Fusilli Jerry. I go back to the Fusilli Jerry. Okay, that's good. Fusilli is also very good in soup, by the way. All right. Uh, so Kramer and Elaine are with the new soup Nazi armoire. Yes, yes. And so that Elaine is like, "Oh my god, I love it." Kramer says, "You see, he's just misunderstood." Did the K man do it, or did the K man do it? <laughs> I don't like when people give themselves nicknames. Said yes. and again, uh, that from the notes about nothing in the script, I believe that Kramer was referring to himself in the third person as "Did the Crame do it?" That's what he's saying, or that was oh, that was what he was supposed to say. That was what he was supposed to oh, say. Oh no, and I Michael hate Richards that. I like change. That's that not going to catch K-Man. on. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I do. I don't have a lot of faith in Michael Richards' uh, writing ability. Like certainly his improv and, and you know his. Uh, 
physical act. But he knew the crane was not going to catch on at all. Oh, yeah. Good call there by the K-Man. Listen, Ferriston takes a lot of credit. He got he got his the writer of this episode, Spike Ferriston. He got a uh, like the post Mad TV or maybe instead of Mad TV slot. I think I think it was after Mad TV got canceled. He got like the eleven o'clock on Fox slot, just basically, and it was Scott, Sp- Spike Ferriston, writer of the Soup Nazi episode. <laughs> but maybe it was, you know, maybe uh, a lot of this was really improv by Michael Richards and the Soup Nazi, and he did nothing. Uh, no, no, give him credit. Give him credit. Uh, anyway, so we get a get out from Elaine. What number get out is this? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Is but it only like, the second one? Is it the third one? Yeah, she pushes him like into the kitchen does it bother you when he does the cartoon thing or no which what's the cartoon thing from a kayfabe standpoint yeah uh, that he like that that he goes flying or jerry goes flying when when elaine pushes during the get outs no i think that's fine it's never something that bothered me about that okay okay so then uh elaine has it all wrong she needs to go see the soup nazi should crane stop her and say like elaine i think this is a bad idea do not go and thank the soup nazi i don't think he does he know that she's been there twice hmm does he know that she got well i feel like that i mean she seems so surprised that he would do this is he feel like it's like oh is she just so happy that she has an armoire yeah i don't know if he realizes like this is the second time and she's totally banned for a year does he know she's banned for a year i don't know Mm. So here she is. And so we see George and Susan at the diner. And now Susan is so impressed with George that he can now express his emotions in this way. Yeah, I'm, I turned the, the page, by the way. I'm anti-PDA now. <laughs> Wait, you were pro-PDA? I, not, not for myself. I don't But like the I just I, it is kind of gross. <laughs> I like it. It's weird because like with strangers, it doesn't matter. But you don't want to see someone, you know, like making out with their wife. Mm hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. It's nice to see, you know, somebody that you care about or somebody who is your friend happy, but... Well, yeah, I, I, first of all, I'm going to... We don't have time to go into this, but I don't even agree with that statement, but keep going. It's, it's not <laughs> nice to see your friend happy? Well, if I'm not happy, I don't want... I mean, I, I, I'm fine with them being like, you know, okay, content. But I almost... Part of me feels like it's sad because I feel like it's fleeting. It's, I feel like it's a happiness... That I feel like cannot be sustained. Well, it depends. I feel like we're maybe not the right people to ask. I feel like there's people who have sustained happiness for a long period of time. Oh, uh, I don't know. In a relationship? Yeah, you think that no one has a good relationship? No, that's not what I said. But nobody, I don't think anybody sustained Schmoopy for, uh, you know, 30 years. Yeah, that would be weird. If people like had pet names that they never stopped with after like 45 <laughs> years. So I don't know about that. But uh, anyway... So uh, now Susan is like, oh, I'm so excited that we can be like this all the time from now on. Yeah, I mean, there's worse things that have happened to George than to have to constantly make out with his girlfriend. (laughs) Well, it's not just the making out. That's fine. I think it's the having to do the pet names and the shoopy and sit on the same side of the booth. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So Elaine comes back in to see the soup Nazi and says, you know, soup Nazi, I had it all wrong. If uh, I thank you for the armoire, it is so beautiful. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Now, soup Nazi is way off base here. Yeah, he's crazy. I mean, he's not listening to what she's saying. Like, he's not he's not listening. Obviously, like Kramer, there's no way Kramer could have known that she got banned. I guess he could have known, but he doesn't know. Uh, and she's crying here. Like, she is tearing up. It is so meaningful to her, which is weird because he didn't do, he just did it as a favor for Kramer, not for her. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's so honored that she's so honored that he did it that, you're yeah, right. He, he clearly has no soul. Hold on. Not so let's back this up. 
did the soup Nazi, was he hitting on Kramer by giving the armoire? Oh, now we've lost the plot completely. Uh, I'm going to say no. No. Okay. All right. I mean, it, it seems like a gift to a person that we're talking about that, you know, the soup Nazi, he's this tortured person and that he's doing something nice for Kramer. But then he finds out like he probably thinks this is like Kramer's girlfriend. Why is he so mad? Why does he? He's just out? an angry person. He's he's. There's she a said, lot of you hostility. You look like Al Pacino, and he banned her for a year. And then he says to her, "This is what he says about this. If I knew it was for you, I would have never given it to him in the first place. I would have taken a hatchet and smashed it to pieces." This is a guy who needs to be in therapy. Who has a lot of anger issues. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like a good a good shrink could could deal with this guy in six months. <laughs> All right, well, that would also, be a like, good who are we? We're not geniuses. Who are we to ju- judge a tortured genius? I guess you know? not. I guess not. Uh, all right. So we end up now with Jerry and Kramer on the street, and uh, they see the armor guys, and now Jerry gets uh, taunted by them as well. Jerry tries yeah, to I, be tough with them, and they, and they chase him away, too. Yeah, I, I don't love the scene. I do like when they run together. Yeah. I, think, I think that works fine. Yes. Uh so Elaine and Jerry, but Jerry's everywhere. Again, this is like uh, this is the Steve Nash season for Jerry, where he's just now uh, like assisting in these other storylines. Now he has to go to Elaine's apartment and they're looking at the armoire and Elaine is so insulted. Jerry stumbles into the recipes, uh, a la Nick Cage in the National Treasure films. He just finds the armoire filled with recipes. What a what a just an amazing coincidence here. Yes. Like that, he. I mean, I guess he knows. Like the soup Nazi knows all the recipes right now after many years of making these soups, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like he needs the recipes for himself. Yes. Um. So I guess it's not the craziest thing in the world that they'd be away in the basement armoire, right? Yes. So that's not the craziest thing in the world. The craziest thing in the world is the fact that the soup Nazi's business is shutting down because Elaine has the recipes. Oh, totally. That's insane. As if I could match them. As if, one, you could read anybody else's writing with a million recipes. Right. And get the exact (laughs) ingredients. That's number one. That's not happening. Right. (laughs) Uh, Two... Right, that like you're going to open up the stand with his exact food right. and make it the same way when he has 30 years experience perfecting the soup. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you had the recipe to the Shake Shack burgers, mm-hmm. like what, what could you possibly do with that? Yeah, like, oh, Rob, the only difference between me and you having a billion dollar company and not is that McDonald's, we can't get the recipe for the Big Mac. But if we get that, we're <laughs> well, golden. That's why they have a secret sauce. You know, if we knew that, if we could crack that code, then... We'd be off to the races. It's true. How many people like I feel like a lot of people know the secret sauce, like even Coca-Cola, like there's always these stories like two people know the recipe and they're not allowed to be in the same room and they each only know half the recipe and they put it. You know what I mean? Like and obviously it's not true. I'm sure a million people know the Coke recipe. And if you Google it, you could probably find it. But, you know, it's not just the recipe. Yeah. You know, uh, people could have Walter White's recipe for crystal meth. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the it's not the recipe. It's the cook. Yeah, he, and he cooks the meth with love, also. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and he ended up working with the Nazis by the end, also. That's right. <laughs> We're also very temperamental. Uh, uh, yeah, but, they would have gotten along well with uh, with with uh, the soup Nazi. Yes, uh, Tim Watley would have. So then uh, Elaine, she has the recipes, and Jerry's begging her, like, "Hey, don't go down there. Don't do this." Uh, another line that got cut from this scene 
is at the end that Jerry says, hey, when you're eating some watery crap from a can, don't come running to me. Yeah. Why'd that get cut? Because like Campbell Soup was a sponsor and they were going to get super mad. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that things just got cut for time in this episode. OK. Seems like a lot of things got cut. So uh, we see George and Susan on the street with Jerry and they're together. Yet Jerry had the off screen breakup with Sheila. I because Jerry breaks up 55 different times, I don't mind for the sake of mixing it up that one of them is off screen, but it feels very rushed and bizarre here. It does. And Jerry is talking about like, yeah, we had the affection and that's great, but we didn't have the connection. You need the the affection and the you see you guys are great. You guys have the affection, but I didn't have the connection. Um, so it seemed like they were it's definitely trying, right, right? Like they were we going talk- for something here. Yeah, there had to there had there's definitely a missing scene. <laughs> the problem is that Ali, Ali Wentworth, Miss, Mrs. Uh, George Stephanopoulos, has like too many followers on Twitter. I'm not even sure she's going to like see if I ask her like what the deal is with this. Yeah. Was there more to the breakup? Like, what do you think could have happened? Although I do see she tweeted uh, throwback Thursday uh, like nine months ago. Uh, hashtag Seinfeld. Hashtag Schmoopy. Yeah. Do you think that there could have been something where is, is there anything that could have tied into anything else in the story? I'm not sure why I, there had to be like a scene where like she did something and he realized, oh, she's an idiot, which is like very similar to a hundred different Jerry breakup scenes. Because mm-hmm. like, why are you picking out her intellect? She didn't do anything that shows she's dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, we're missing something, but it's so off that I, I, I don't even know. I don't know. Okay, so we go back to the Soup Nazis restaurant and uh, look at this, Keeve. That's Anna Gasteyer being uh, a customer in the Soup Nazi. Yes, a very brief appearance. (laughs) Yeah, he just throws Anna Gasteyer right off uh, the Soup Nazi restaurant. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't think Anna Gasteyer was Anna Gasteyer at this point. No, she was not. Uh, So she comes back in and Soup Nazi is like, what are you doing here? You're wasting everyone's time. Uh, and she says, uh, I don't want soup. I can make my own soup. And she reads out the recipe for wild mushroom soup. Uh, she made copies before she came into the restaurant, right? Um, does not appear so, right? I mean, these are the originals. This always made me nervous. Even like the first time I watched this episode, mm-hmm. remember thinking, like, he could just grab them out of your hand. Like, I hope you at least made copies. But if you made copies, would you bring in the originals? It's strange. <laughs> it's very strange. And by the way, if you just went to like, if I just like go to like the deli, if I go to Monk's and say, listen, you know that soup man? They'll be like, no. I'll be like, listen, he's very popular. Uh, do you want his recipes? And they'll say, please get out. <laughs> you know, like, how is this? You know what I mean? How is this plan working? Uh, it, it it makes no sense. Who's publishing these recipes? She says they're going to be published. Like the yeah. Jay Peterman catalog is publishing. Like who is who is publishing? Well, does like, she and, say and they're going to be published? Sued. Yeah, she says I'm going to. She said I'm going to have them published. I could drop flyers from a plane. Like she's got all these ideas for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody wants them. <laughs> all right. Well, that she says to him, "Hey, I've got I've got the recipes," and she rattles them off. And uh, cold cucumber, corn and crab, mulligatani. And she says, you're through, soup Nazi. Pack it up. No more soup for you. Next. Yeah, really iconic line. Great end, you know, minus the tag that comes after the commercial uh, mm-hmm. to the episode. Yeah. And I guess, you know, let's talk about the tag for a second, then we'll talk about the episode. Okay. 
Uh, so Jerry and Newman meet up and Newman says that uh, Elaine's causing all kinds of commotion. She got a hold of the recipes. She's going to drive him out of business. The soup Nazi says that his recipes are out. He's closing the store. He's giving all the soup away. He's moving to Argentina. No soup for any of us. Yeah, How much soup is there that he's going home to get a good pot? Like, <laughs> like I feel like the soup would be gone pretty quickly. Get a big pot. I, I mean... I don't understand uh, just the Elaine, the Elaine thing that, uh, you know, if everybody has his recipe, why does he have to close the store? I know. And at least wait for it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, okay, like, let's see if it if it happens. Fine. Okay, we'll close the store. You know, business was bad a few days in a row. I'm getting the sign like it's not happening. Right. So, you know, but again, he's a torture genius. Uh, He's probably always wanted to go to Argentina. Again, uh, you know, that's what Nazis did, right? They fled, they fled to Argentina. Even hypothetically, okay? So Elaine calls up uh, Mr. Lipman and is like, hey, Lip, I got something here. You know that guy who makes the best soup ever? Well, uh, I he threw something out. I have all of his recipes. We could publish them and put out the best soup cookbook ever. Everybody will have the recipe for the best soup in the world. Like, okay. I mean, is is that going to be a New York Times number one bestseller? The stolen soup no, and, Nazi and she's cookbook? getting sued. Yeah, soup Nazi. He might have been on the lamb for something, and maybe this is really blowing up his spot. That's possible. He's going to get in the paper. They're going to say, "Oh, Elaine's got the recipes," and then someone he could be in the witness protection program. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why he doesn't want any any sort of tomfoolery there. He's got to like shut it down. <laughs> so uh, that is the end of the soup Nazi. Okay, let, let's talk, just talk big picture, and so. Uh, for you, uh, Soup Nazi, how well does it hold up in terms of being uh, like, does it ri- live up to its reputation? I think I think it's a slightly overrated episode. I'll give you my ranking now. OK, it's in my top nine, but it's okay. not my number one. Mm-hmm. And again, if people are just listening, whatever I for the top nine, I give the top nine. And then at the end, we'll, we'll do so. Uh, I guess to update, it's up there with Marine Biologist, Hamptons, The Contest, the Jimmy, the opposite, and the Soup Nazi. Three spots still available for the uh, the coveted top nine. Um, we also, we've talked about, like, sometimes things are episodes that get better with age. And then they're episodes that they're best the first time you see them because they're so original and shocking that that first, like, big LOL that happens in, like, the key scenes... It's hard to repeat it sometimes when you know it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that there. So it's, do I punish an episode because it wasn't intended to be viewed a hundred times? It's intended to be viewed once. So I try and, and balance my rankings a little bit uh, accordingly, where there's some episodes that maybe the contest gets better every time you watch it and you notice things, whereas this is going for a few home runs, but... You know, nobody says like, whereas maybe an episode like the Hamptons, every every storyline is an A plus here. Nobody says that like the schmoopy stuff is necessarily an A plus or the the uh, the armoire part, at least the the non soup Nazi part of the armoire part. Nobody's giving that an A plus. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But I I still think the highs are high enough that it's fair to put in the top nine. But if someone said, you know what, it's not in my top nine, I wouldn't call them crazy like I would if they said the contest is not in my top nine. Let's just say. Yeah, it's so important and it's just like uh, I'm trying to think of like the parallel of something where it's just like it's the it's I I don't think it's the best, but it's sort of like the most iconic of these shows. So 
I think that the soup Nazi stuff is fine. I think that he's actually better than I remember. Like in my mind, I thought I remember him being like uh, much more hammy. I think that the performance was really good from him. But the schmoopy stuff, I, I didn't even remember that that was in this episode. And the armoire, uh, the stuff outside of the soup Nazi part of the armoire is uh, a little rough. Uh, I think it's fine. Uh, it just I think the one scene where they take it away uh, from him, that scene just wasn't wasn't played properly. I'm not sure. I don't I think maybe it's just directed poorly. I'm not. It was just missing a little something in that scene. And maybe the actors just aren't the aren't the best. Some people like those guys, but uh, maybe they're miscast. Mm hmm. But. I think it just speaks more to Seinfeld, the phenomenon here at this point, more so than Seinfeld as a uh, amazingly written piece, like a uh, complete work. This is just more that they hit the absolute right notes to really like, uh, you know, strike up the chorus. Yeah, I mean, you could say this episode is a 9.6 on IMDb. Uh, IMDb is usually a pre because it has more votes than say like one dummies list. It's usually like a good, uh, you know, barometer of like what people think. And you know, it, it's like a fair assessment unless you put female Ghostbusters in your movie. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, like Chester said, it's overrated, but it's still his number two episode so far. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel, you know, very similar about it. You know, I think it's it's probably not as good as its ranking is, but it's important. Uh, in the scheme of things. Yeah. If we were just important. going to rank the episodes just based on the, you know, uh, the laughs and the stories, I don't think it would be a top 10 episode, but it has to be a top 10 episode. Right. If you showed it to like an alien without any knowledge of the of like what's popular it would be interesting to see where this episode lands mm -hmm. and i guess yeah. is the alien in 1995 or 2016 like we have to workshop the the whole alien thing and decide but i, I think the concept is there is like would they i and, and that works with anything like i'm sure if you showed an alien star wars they'd say this is garbage i can't believe it's popular but oh, it's popular <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the letter grades. And I think this is a tough one because I don't know whose letter. It's sort of like that the soup Nazi is sort of like going on in the background. Yeah. Everybody else has like their own sort of storylines that are dealing with other things. So Jerry and Schmoopy. Uh, I give it a B. So give it a B. I think the first time it's funny. I, do, I, I think it grates a little bit. It's relatable. Uh, Everybody yeah. knows somebody who has a Schmoopy. Uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, Jerry and, and what he's going through is sort yeah. of like a... You, you don't really recognize what his story... He doesn't actually have a story. It's more like that his friends don't like it, that he has schmoopy. Right. I know guys who have a schmoopy and a side schmoopy. Uh, side schmoopy? Is that a thing? I don't, it is now, I guess. <laughs> if you have schmoopy, why do you need a side schmoopy? Uh, listen, I ask that. You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, uh, the schmoopy isn't, isn't enough for, one, for, a, for a person. I could understand if there was no schmooping, why you'd need a side schmoopy. Oh, so it'd be like a, a like a first thing was a non schmoopy, and then the side schmoopy. Yeah, but why is the schmoopy? Are you doing is the schmoopy? Is, is the side schmoopy? Like, are you even interested really in schmoopying on the side? Like PDA type things? That's not happening on the side. You, you, those people are being discreet. Well, I guess so. You'd be discreet, be discreet, but I feel like that maybe. Uh, I, I I guess uh, the P is really. You know, you'd want uh, the P needs to be, uh, you know, uh, I'm all for the Wait, private. What P are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the PDA. I didn't yes, understand what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. you don't, so you were more ideally a for a side schmoopy. Yeah. You don't want it to be a public display of affection. Got That's it. really how you got get it. caught up. Yeah. DA. Do you remember yeah. the, the, the Elliot Spitzer? Yeah, <laughs> that's what he was doing. 
the uh, <laughs> do you remember there was like a Fox commercial? Uh, it was I think the show was called I don't remember what it was called. It was about like a girl is maybe in like adult films or something. What? And it's a five. So you know, every year at the World Series, they start like plugging a couple shows that never last more than two episodes. Okay, but it's Fox, so they like run the ads every two seconds, and then like they they pan to the stadium, and like the actors are sitting in the first row. Sure. And that, so anyway, so it was a it was a show. I don't remember the name of it, but then the the commercial that they aired during every inning of the World Series that year was her father's the district attorney. I don't know. So when I when I hear DA, that's what I think about. Okay. <laughs> 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 we're not getting the mulligan tawny on on this episode no for fuck <laughs> i gotta figure out the name of that show all, all right, right so yeah so that's an a I, I give elaine an a um kramer why because of the because she's with the soup nazi it was called skin the name of the show was skin okay i'll take your word for it ron silver says your father's the district attorney uh uh, uh olivia wilde is the uh is the aforementioned actress whose father's mm-hmm. the district attorney okay um it lasted eight episodes i was harsh on it <laughs> um yeah so Cra- i give kramer a b plus and i give uh i give george a b and that's it for the ratings okay <laughs> all right uh you ready to get into this soup nazi mailbag yeah the soup nazi mailbag all right uh this is uh heading into longest episode ever territory a lot uh, of people tweeted and said they really wanted a plus two hour episode Okay, you'll and, get it, but you know I probably didn't spend enough time on the, on the soup Nazi. I feel like we spend plenty of time in the soup Nazi. <laughs> it's a, people like because sometimes we go on tangents and Scott like I feel agrees. bad. Yes, I feel I feel bad, but then it's like we've mentioned every line in every scene. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> do you want us to like break it down like statistically and and like talk about? You know what I mean? We're, it's not <laughs> like even when we go on tangents, it's not like we're skipping over anything. So. We do come if back. Hate the t- yeah, we come back to it, and we're there from the start. Yeah. Um, we should also mention we we did we did like uh, uh, briefly mention we would have an interview with somebody. Yes. Uh, um, and uh, that person uh, canceled, and hopefully we'll postpone it. Uh, it's not so exciting, so don't get no your interview uh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> don't get your hopes up or down. Whatever. It'll probably happen, but yes, it wasn't with it was not with Larry Thomas. It was not. He would have been here two hours earlier. <laughs> he would not have canceled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you could have Larry Thomas in studio, probably. He lives probably. in L.A., I think. Yeah. Uh, Johnny DeSavera says, uh, I can't believe we're finally at the Soup Nazi. See? Yeah, we're here. Dare I predict this recap goes over two hours? Well, uh, yes. Get <laughs> <laughs> some inside uh, information. Why does Elaine point out that lima bean and the man in line order gazpacho when both aren't on the menu? Look closely. You won't find them. Listen, it's like in an out burger. You know, you know to order an animal secret style, menu. but it's, it's a secret menu. Mm-hmm. In and out uh, you burger, know, I was thinking. Kosher? I think you asked me in an early episode, like if I stopped keeping kosher, yeah, what um, I would eat, and it's not kosher, but I feel like that would be number one, probably. Yeah, you know, what? I think uh, if I said like if if God, you know, so we have this meeting, and he decides between heaven and hell, and he's like, all right, purgatory, got to go back down, you know, some like terrible Adam Sandler movie, mm-hmm. and decide, and he's like, by the way, the kosher thing, I was joking, I just said, I just meant like, don't literally cook a kid in its mother's milk. And then I feel like I'm taking a plane and flying to an out burger that day. Mm-hmm. It's I, I in an out burger. I feel like it's overrated. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, boy. I hope you're never a guest on Doughboys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One okay. of the tournament of champions. <laughs> All right. Uh, then also, Johnny DeSavera wants to say, why do you two think Elaine is so fearless in confronting the soup Nazi, but she can't be honest with Jerry about Schmoopy with Sheila? 
it's interesting. I think ultimately it's because she's blinded with love. Like she's, she, you know, she's nervous about Jerry and like she loves Jerry. Whereas, but I, I, lo- I actually like, we didn't mention this enough. Like Elaine is really confident in this episode and like overconfident Elaine is very funny. Like when she comes up and slams the counter and is like taking no guff or gruff guff from uh from uh the soup nazi like that is the best elaine like super confident elaine mm-hmm. but I, I think she just uh the the jerry thing is complicated it's complicated yeah all right what about jim the physics correspondent yeah this is from last week but he said as physics correspondent i apologize for not anticipating your questions about kramer's hot tub cooling i think that the show does a better job dealing with the physics of the water in the tub cooling here then it, uh, it does the biology of Kramer's body reaction to cooling water. On the other hand, unless he was under anesthesia, Kramer would have woken up long before the water got that cold or his core temperature ver- dropped very much. I think that's what we said. There's no way he sleeps through it. Okay, fair enough. Um, Dan the Benefactor wrote, how the hell did Vulture rank the Soup Nazi number 143? The are you talking to me scene on its own would be a top 100 episode. Yeah, a lot of people have written in uh, over the last couple of years since uh, we mentioned. I think that was one of the lists I corrected um, because I'm a huge nerd. I found a missing episode Mm -hmm. because he only ranked 168 and I know there's 169 uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. I think so. His name was Larry Fitzmaurice. He wrote for Vulture, part of New York Magazine. And uh, it's the worst list in the whole world. Chester IMs me at least once a week with a bad ranking from that list. (laughs) It's really the worst thing. Like the Internet has an infinite amount of space, but I feel like Vulture should delete that list because it takes up too much valuable space. It is so bad that he has like, he has the the opposite as like his second to worst episode, Soup Nazi 143. It's a lot of like social justice warrior stuff. Like if there's one slightly offensive thing in the episode to him 25 years later, uh, then he he ranks it in his bottom 10. As if they should have known So now I feel bad that we didn't talk up the are you talking to me part that much. Yeah, well, listen, Dan the Benefactor likes that, but we don't like the same things Dan the Benefactor likes. <laughs> That's true. We like he the likes opposite of things that Dan the Benefactor likes. Terrible things like the Washington Nationals. Yeah, Bryce Harper, Chester was very peeved today. Bryce Harper was on some ESPN list of the 100 greatest baseball players of all time. He's okay. like 22 years old. Chester was very upset that they like, they said it was clickbait to put him in the list. Okay. Dan, was, Dan probably wrote the list. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, between that and Vulture.com, Chester has a lot to... Uh, be angry about this week uh yeah chester's always that vulture thinks two years ago he's still fuming about it though <laughs> he's punching walls like uh Kevin Brown did that. that's right <laughs> all right uh what about craig from vancouver all right craig from the couve says not to insult larry thomas <laughs> but has anyone ever milked so much from such a small appearance on a tv show than larry thomas he travels around the world literally playing the same role mm-hmm. to that yeah. note I've even met the soup Nazi. A few years ago, Craig says, he was appearing at a charity event in a soup kitchen, uh, the town over from where I work, and his dad and I went down. It was pretty fun. You order, you have to play along. You order soup, take two steps to the side. You also recite bits from the show and have him refuse your soup. It's pretty fun. When he says the soup Nazi, does he mean the real soup Nazi? No, he means Larry Thomas, right? Larry Thomas, Larry Thomas. Okay, I'm, I'm confused because a bunch of people wrote in like the soup Nazi this, Larry Thomas that, but some of it's like the real soup Nazi with the, right. the actual soup store, and I, I was confused a few times who they were talking about. Yeah, I, what is is that, I feel like we have to, we're going to have to pay these Seinfeld people to show up at this. So like, I kind of feel like that um, maybe some people might show up for free, but I kind of feel like that most of these people... Uh, you're going to have to pay him like, you know, $2,000 to sit there and serve soup. You think Larry Thomas you have to pay? No, I'm probably sure he's... not, but I think that there's going to be a lot of other people. Kenny Kramer's that... not doing it for free. 
Mm, he'll do it for cheap, but not for free. I th- yeah. Or if he could sell some book or some tour package. I The problem with the Seinfeld con, I'm thinking, is you, you, off the bat, you don't get LD and you don't get Jerry. You don't of course get, not. Yeah. You don't get George, Elaine, or Kramer. They wouldn't, if you offered him a million dollars, they would say no. Mm-hmm. Could we get Bernie Sanders to be Larry David? At this point, he's probably available. I, what's the Senate doing nowadays? Nothing. Yeah. You can, he, we, we'll give him, he can be the keynote. I don't think Bernie's ever watched an episode of Seinfeld. I don't think he has a TV in his house in Vermont. But yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I, 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 if, if Bernie wants to come down, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I think, although we have to give equal time, which means we got to invite Trump also. So, you know, do with that. If or, or, Trump, Trump wanted Trump to come to Seinfeld win. Con, then we, he would be, again, welcome, oh, a guest of honor. Um, yeah, but, uh, but I get it's really more like Bernie because he lost. So it more like it would have to have like the Ted Cruz's or like the Kasich's. We're we're really losing the thread of this as we have like uh, Kasich speaking at Seinfeld. Okay, so we're missing the problem with missing the big five. Like they're going to have like a lost con. And you're like, okay, but there's no Damon and Carlton and there's no uh, Sawyer, Hurley, Jack, Kate. You know what I mean? Like we're starting with ideally like Melman and Newman show up. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. It's the first one. And I don't even think Newman's coming. So these guys are like Michael Richards doesn't even do the Seinfeld DVDs. He's not showing up to Seinfeld Con. Okay, well, wait till it gets really popular. So you think you do the first one? It's like Francesa Con. He doesn't come to the first yeah, one. He, doesn't come to he the comes one. to the second one, loves it so much that he brings Mad Dog to the third one. Yeah, it'll be huge. I feel like not everyone knows what we're talking about here. <laughs> uh, believe me, that happened. Uh, <laughs> I think. Episodes. I think the sodomy conversation we lost our last listener. It's us <laughs> and maybe Johnny Silver at this point. So we could keep going. What does Liz have to say? <laughs> the guy who got in Kramer's face about the armoire, is that supposed to be the same guy who taunted Kramer for not wearing the ribbon or whatever it was in the charity walk? Why is Kramer so afraid of him? Yes, that is definitely supposed to be the same guy. Yeah, most uh, assuredly. Yeah, why is he afraid of him? And that he's just very, uh, you know, in his face. Yeah, and these guys are lovers, not fighters. And again, why does Kramer go to karate school later in the series with kids? Because he's weak and he wants to learn how to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liz also says, I know people are unpredictable, but Kramer caved rather quickly and didn't stand up for himself. And it was worse when Jerry was there. The two of them ran off. I, I just think that's the joke. Uh, yes, that is the joke. Yes. All right. What about Millennial Max, our millennial correspondent? Yes. As our millennial correspondent, he thought it would be interesting to talk about how soup Nazis held up with people his age. Oh, good. When uh, he mentioned the episode to friends this week, almost all of them knew no soup for you, but most of them don't actually know it's from Seinfeld. One friend thought it was just an internet meme. Oh. That being said... Anyone who's watched the rest of the development gets the joke since Larry Thomas played Saddam Hussein. Ooh, that's a good callback to something we discussed before. <laughs> and another and, Sodom. And uh, George Bluth says he thought he was the guy who says, played the soup Nazi. <laughs> he also wants to know if we could power rank the WWs. He lists okay. four. Woodrow Wilson, Walter White, another comeback, uh, callback this episode, mm-hmm. Walt Whitman, and the newest WW, Wills Wienerker. So uh, mm. since I'm involved, you have to power rank them. Okay um like what am i power rank them in my favorite or like worldwide significance well i i feel like uh your favorite i have worldwide significance i i can't imagine I, i'm doing that well on okay uh walter Although white I would be i would be interested to hear you walter white a fictional character versus woodrow wilson important president i would be interested in hearing your opinion who was more important worldwide significance <laughs> yeah uh walter white is number one uh central figure in uh breaking bad uh walt whitman i think is two but mostly based on the tie-in to uh the final uh season of breaking bad 
Yeah, but what about, how about this? An argument against Whitman, anti-Whitman argument. Oh, no, actually, no, I was thinking Edgar Allan Poe. I was going to yeah. say the Ravens are named after him, but I'm mixing up. Walt Whitman, he's also like a New Yorker, so we like Walt Whitman. Yeah, they had a Walt Whitman mall. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Yes, uh, I'll say probably it's it's close between Woodrow Wilson and Wheels Winokur, but I will say that... What do you know uh, about Woodrow Wilson? Let's be honest. Almost nothing. So I know a lot about Wheels Winokur, uh, but I feel like that more, more people probably, like the reach of this podcast, like I, I think it's, it's closer than people would imagine. So I'll say Woodrow Wilson is three and, and Wheels Winokur is... Uh, I wonder where Woodrow Wilson ranked on Chester's Rank the President's appearance. <laughs> <laughs> How handsome was he? Yes. What do you think? Probably, I don't know, Woodrow could have gone either way. Nah, I don't think, I've never met a hot Woodrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not great. Not great. Uh, uh, all right. Oh, uh, what else we got? What does Lindsay have to I, say? I, I think I'd charge him $250 for an armoire, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> not a great face. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh then uh Lindsay says uh, do you guys have any fast food places that are inexplicably awesome the ridiculous small town that i'm from has the best thai restaurant i've ever been to despite being uh to considerably bigger cities do you have anything like that yeah when i was in college there's a shawarma place right there uh in washington heights by my college Yeshiva university that like you wouldn't think some like washington heights kosher shawarma place would be better than like the shawarma I had in like in you know the Middle East, but I, I really like it better than any shawarma place in Israel. Like it, it, I, I don't know, maybe I'm insane, but I like I like, and it's like a little dirty. Yeah, it's like it's like a hole in the wall. It's uh, it's a little bit of a dive, but I mm-hmm. love it. I would I would go there like twice a day. Uh, I I feel like that there's been places like that, but nothing that I can remember in terms of uh, like I I feel like that maybe like in college there was places that I ate all the time but yeah, that on the spot I can't think of anything that's uh that's that particularly memorable sorry okay sorry I blew it this is a very long podcast <laughs> he's we've forgotten half of what we knew yeah. from the beginning of the show no I've had to pee for the last hour or so so <laughs> do you want to stop <laughs> no no we'll keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay. we'll bring it home we'll bring it home I'll take the Euromyces Tysis for it's worth it. Okay. Uh, also, Lindsay says, uh, Akiva, what's your take on sitting in the same side of the booth? Rob and Nicole discussed being same side sitters a few months ago. What's your preference? I mean, I'm lucky if I get into the restaurant with my wife, like if we don't fight beforehand or like I, I, I'm happy to be on either side, whichever one she prefers. But I, I, I think the across is much better than the next two. Yeah. See, for me, I, I would if if my wife is allowing it, I don't mind sitting on the same side of the booth. I feel like that, that this is this is fine. It's more like uh, where I'm, my wife is like, get away from me. I don't want you near me. Uh, go on the other side of the thing. But you're not maximizing table space if you're on the same side of the booth, really. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I feel like it's so rare that we even get to a restaurant that I yeah, who even same, knows. same same for me back in the <laughs> day, back in the day, pre kids. All right. What about Jeff from Houston? Uh, Jeff from Houston says, I finally made it to the original Soup Man on West 55th in New York City last August. I'm sure Chester has some comment. It's actually uh, West 54th and a half. And even though it was nine degrees, he had to try the soup. The vegetable soup was great and even got bread. Have you guys ever been? No, I've never been. You're pushing your luck, little man. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Uh, Sean Respert, fan club president, Zach Brooks, our own Zach Brooks, says, uh, Jerry chooses soup over Sheila. What would you choose over the other? You know, Allie Wentworth, she's a, she's a big Twitter celebrity. She's very funny. 
Oh, really? Um, but I, I don't know. Like, but are we getting Allie Wentworth or are we getting Sheila? Because Sheila's a nightmare. <laughs> you know, I'm for sure choosing Soup over Sheila. I feel like Allie, and I don't want to mess with Stephanopoulos's gal, so I'm going to say Soup. Uh, yeah. Would you choose the soup over like I, I feel like that Jerry played it right. I, I feel like that if she is worth it, then you could patch things up with her. If she is somebody who is going to like what you told the soup Nazi, if she's worth it, then she gets it. It's like that. I, I can't get banned by the soup Nazi. Like uh, like you're, you're much more reasonable than 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 she's worth it. I, so I say let her go. If she comes back to you, it was meant to be and it'll last forever. All righty. What, what does Caleb from Atlanta have for us? Okay. Uh, uh, very disappointed. No Amir this week? No, he, he, he emailed in during the thing. You'll, you'll throw it to me after he emailed it just now. Okay. All right. Uh, Caleb from Atlanta says, uh, Hey, Rob and Wheels Winokur. Uh, the way that the soup Nazi acts in the restaurant is not allowed and it's highly illegal in a restaurant. He could be sued for not serving people. In the restaurant business, you can't turn away the business of anyone unless the restaurant is closed and the bit about the bread charging while everyone else is getting bread for free is also illegal. But I've done the same thing at the restaurant I work at, but it's with free drinks. And sometimes I give free cookies. That's the longest sentence I've ever read, I think, in my life. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot in that sentence. Listen, he said he works in a restaurant. He didn't say he's, you know, an English professor. Yes. I was running, I was running out of air. <laughs> <laughs> throw in a semicolon next time Caleb from Atlanta <laughs> please I need to breathe, to breathe I won't make it next time um, alright so that's illegal yeah but Caleb. he also he brags that he, uh, he got written up for uh, or not brags he tells he got written up at work for telling a couple that they were weird for sitting on the other same so he's very strict about the rules Caleb from Atlanta unless it's about him and they don't apply to him mm-hmm. rules that's do not right. apply to Caleb from Atlanta <laughs> alright uh, then uh, wh- what does Amir have to say all right, so Amir writes in, and he says, uh, we're meant to assume that the armor thieves are supposed to be gay, correct? Is there any way that a stereotypical depiction like this flies in 2016? Not there's anything wrong with it. Uh, yes, they're intended to be gay. No, there's any way this flies, right? Uh, I, again, I don't see what necessarily the issue is. I mean, you have characters who we're presuming are gay, and they're really like... Uh, kind of bullies but i I don't know why necessarily this is uh offensive you're not saying that all gay people are bullies or that you know most gay people are bullies it's just that these guys i think it's it's more in the fact of like that they're uh sort of like i I don't even know i I don't even (laughs) it seems like maybe it should be offensive but i don't know why it is i hear what you're saying i also think like it's it wasn't a stereotype that gay people are bullies or that they're thieves at all and never was so i it's almost like they're trying to do something different and even if it doesn't work comedically it just feels dated more than offensive but maybe people i'd be interested to hear other people's takes uh, maybe it is offensive. Uh, it definitely feels a little weird. He, uh, Amir also writes in, as bad as the soup Nazis in terms of having to deal with, I take that interaction every single time over dealing with a customer like Elaine. I absolutely hate being in a store with overly chatty and indecisive, indecisive customers. Am I wrong? Mm. No, you're not wrong. You're just, no, I think he, I think... Uh, Sounds like me. 
what you are indecisive and you slam the the counter when you don't get what you want <laughs> I don't slam the counter but i i often am indecisive in terms of like i put a lot of pressure on myself to get the right thing see that never happens to me because i'm insane like i'm going to uh my parents neighborhood next week and mm. like there's some new restaurants and i've already been on the websites or facebook pages of every restaurant i plan on going to and like i've already picked out in my head what i'm going to order okay i don't i never go to a restaurant Blind, like I always go, come in knowing what I'm going to order because I'm a sick individual. Uh, he, um, one more from Amir. He says, "I've never been sold the soup Nazi actually deserves the title of Nazi. I know they named him that for affect or affect, and as a chef, he certainly acts insane. But he's more of a genius slash artist than anything else. Is is his eccentric, strange, and demanding personality all that outlandish? If you consider him part of the group instead, uh, and they listen, that, that argument Amir is definitely made during the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely up for debate." Uh, yeah, he's not. Is he Nazi-ish? I don't know. <sighs> if it, like, I feel like if he was really Nazi, it would be like a no Jews sign allowed in his store. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think that they're just using that that he's like uh, he, he's a mean guy. I think right, that's... but the, oh, but here's the argument: if you want to argue that he is a Nazi, like he kicks at a guy for speaking Spanish, that's pretty bad. Yeah, he may have bad. a darker side that we don't see. So, do you feel like that there is some sort of uh, Nazi fondness from the soup Nazi? No, I don't think so at all. Yeah, I don't think I don't, so. I, I don't. I, I think he's a soup Nazi. Like we don't think grammar Nazis are actual Nazis. I, you mm -hmm. know. Okay. All right. And then one last email. It's from the human embodiment of the YouTube comment section, uh, Alex oh. Chester. Again, that's uh, that uh, <laughs> he writes these <laughs> intros. Uh, why would Jerry go to a theater at 61st and 3rd over 84th and Broadway, which is around the corner from Jerry's apartment? Yes. Fair question, Wheels. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't write first before he wrote his, his, his comment. <laughs> <laughs> also, why is the phone behind the counter at the Soup Nazis a payphone? And he attached a picture, which I don't have. Well, I think if, if people come in and they say, hey, can I use your phone? Yeah, he didn't attach it, by the way. I, it's not that I, we don't have it. He said attached. And by the way, fun thing about Gmail, if you write, I have attached yes, yes, and you yes, didn't yes. attach anything, everyone knows this. I thought I just figured this out. Right. Um, but anyway, Chester uh, didn't write, I have, and he attached, he didn't attach anything. Um, but yeah, I think the Soup Nazi doesn't want people to ask to use the phone. So if you make it a pay phone, it's just you having to use it. Like, fine. So the one time a month you need to use it to call, like it's a quarter for you, but it saves you the agita of being asked to use the store phone, you know, from people in this pre-cell phone environment, right? And do you have to have a phone bill then? Phone bill? Yeah. Like from the AT&T gives you, have you a bill to have a phone. If you have a, if you have a, uh, a, uh, what's it called phone? Like a, a pay phone? If you have a payphone, they send you a bill. I don't understand what you're saying. No, I'm asking the question. Like, if if I didn't have a landline in my house and I had a payphone, oh, so you what, mean the, how do you call the store? He, no, the store doesn't get called. No, he, he's not, I'm not saying. Orders. I'm saying that do, yeah. instead of the you know thirty dollars a month that you know you pay to have yes. a phone in your house to the phone company. If yeah. I just had, could I just? I think I would no, rather I think have free. a payphone. Yeah, it's I would free. rather have a payphone. Yeah, they want you because they get the money. It's like it's like putting in a you know a charity box for somebody in your in your house or your 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 synagogue or something. I like that. All right, uh, Chester says George asks for his soup to go. There's no other option. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> you could sit there in the corner, and eat it. I'm not sure how much the soup Nazi would like that though. Yeah. Also, Chester says, after she refers to herself as George's Kiki and to him as Baby Bluey, do you think that Susan deserved to die from the envelopes? Oh, boy. 
That's a good one, actually. <laughs> and finally, Chester says, why did Anna Gasteyer randomly show up for three seconds in the episode? Is she playing the same character she does in Curb when she's a Manhattan mom dating LD? Uh, the answer is that she's not Anna Gasteyer yet. She's yeah. probably uh, is not on Saturday Night Live yet at this point in 1995, right? And the Seinfeld and Curb universes are definitely different universes because in Curb, Seinfeld was a show that Larry did. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. the, you know, and they react the show. Like, there's no debate if we ever get up to Curb. They're different universes, and I will not hear otherwise. Yeah. Um, she got to SNL, I want to say, in 1996. I, I, don't, I don't believe she was a... Uh, yeah, 1996, she joined the cast of SNL. So this is uh, a couple months before she would be an SNL. Probably uh, about 10 months before she'd be an SNL cast member. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hashtag has to be Mulligan Tawny. Mo- okay, Mulligan Tawny. There you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, beats out Seinfeld Con. I-, I like Seinfeld Con. I feel like it'll okay. get people talking about Seinfeld Con. All right. Let's uh, make the hashtag Seinfeld Con, but we really could use a Mulligan Tawny on this episode. Yeah. And uh, also beats out hashtag Schmoopy or Soupy. Yeah, but I don't like when people throw in the three hashtags in one. And hashtag side schmoopy as well. Side, I like the side schmoopy, yeah. <laughs> What's not to like about the side schmoopy? That's right. That's right. All right. <laughs> so, Keeve, what's next? Uh, next week, we have the secret code. Uh, we, we, uh, Leap and Larry shows up, and uh, we're going to talk about some Bosco. Okay. <laughs> All good stuff coming up next week. You could follow Akiva on Twitter. He is at Keeve. 26. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Uh Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre. Real, uh, double, triple, quadruple thanks to Scott St. Pierre this week. Uh, yeah, Scott, uh, you are, I mean, I assume this is the last one you're ever going to do, but thank you for all your what hard work. What a run, though. What a run. <laughs> Truly. You know, okay. it, the, the, the check's in the mail. Thank you so much. Okay. Wheels, anything else before we log off? <sighs> no, I think this was fun. I, I feel like this was uh, the hottest mess yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, I, maybe we cracked under the pressure this week where it was like uh, there was so much buildup and we were so excited that we were just uh, well, why too are we all hitting on it? This could be people's favorite episodes. Yeah. I, I wonder maybe if it's like we need to maybe like if we should like not do anything like the next time we have a big episode like this. And I don't know. Is there an, the finale? Is that what's the next biggest episode? Oh, I mean, there's definitely big episodes left. Uh, your summer of George, Bizarro Jerry. Okay. Well, maybe in that day, it was just like maybe either just like clear out the day ahead of time so we're not like super busy right before mm-hmm. so we can or or we should like do like uh, like five podcasts right before so we're sort of like tied. Like, I don't know what, if we want to have like 10 what if days you had rest. a hard out after like an hour and 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like I did like an hour ago. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess plan B. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. Let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, it really does help us with the show. Go to postshowrecaps.com for the comments or uh, leave us your, well, may- maybe this isn't the week to say leave us your honest feedback on iTunes no. at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Yeah. And I have iTunes, re- iTunes reviews. I'm sure you want me to read them right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Let, let's save them for next no week. Uh, Seinf- Seinfeld at postshowrecaps for your emails as well. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.